The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We have major, major problems right now here on A's Cast Live. We are in Oakland at the Jack London offices of your Oakland Athletics. And somebody has been messing with our booth. Commander, we got issues. Someone's been messing with our microphones. I told you I'd fix it for you, and you can use the one that I use. People don't tune in to listen to me. They tune in to hear you. And the people that do tune in to listen to me, besides Dina, I don't, my fiance, I don't know who listens to me. So you should probably use this one until I can fix that one. Unless you, it looks like you might have it under control a little bit. Though. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to hold the mic. That's going to be a problem when David Force comes in here with us. Uh, David's going to have to hold this mic. And a potential special guest at 3.30. We won't give it away. But potential special guest in studio with us at 3.30. The face of the franchise? Well, you gave it away, yes. The great Raymond Fossey. Who you allude- Raymond Fossey is in town? He is. He and I were on the phone yesterday, as you put it, as you mentioned to me i'm just best friends with absolute legends in the sport of baseball yeah it it, commander cody now is like uh on a weekly basis speaking with tony la russa the hall of famer the face of the franchise the two-time world series champion raymond fossey i mean you you and legends of the game are jeff's bffs i don't know what it is but they all like to talk to me and you know fossey and i were talking about the show and what, what's going on in Boston and Houston? What's we, going on in Boston and Houston? Uh, I don't know. This, I mean, they got the. Whippers. How about New York? New York, wow. Well, what's one? The Yankees are the Yankees got Garrett Cole, but we weren't talking about that. Tom Stone is an author of a book that I can't wait to read. Now taking the field, baseball's all-time dream teams for all thirty franchises. I actually put a list together. It's a pretty good list of all-time A's franchise because. You got to go back to the Philadelphia days when they were winning World Series and they had Hall of Famers. I want to say everybody on my list is a Hall of Famer. I think. We will go over my list, but Tom Stone's going to join us at 1.30. The general manager of the Oakland Athletics, David Forrest, will be here at 2 o'clock. Yes, the bombshell. We talked about it Monday. You shouldn't be shocked. We told you Alex Cora was not long for the job. We were all over that because that really hadn't broke yet. That was something we went on gut going, wait a minute. If this guy is mentioned 11, because as when we were on on Monday, there was just the talk of, well, Boston's under investigation. And that you're just going to have to wait for the investigation. And the commander and I said on Monday, wait a minute, spring training's right around the, you, you, you got to move on from this guy. And what happened? They moved on. We were wrong a lot this past season. We were right about this. Yeah, and we were all over it. And then we uh, we started calling for 
I wouldn't say calling for, but I guess we were, for lack of a better term, calling for the head of another manager in Major League Baseball, and that'd be the one Carlos Baltron of the New York Metropolitans, our NL team. The only player, first of all, I, the more I, I've had time to think about it, and if anybody out there was at the event last night, the Santa Clara Valley hot stove dinner, which they've been doing forever, it's like over 600 people, I was the MC, and, you know, in my opening comments, after I made a couple jokes and made fun of my old coach, Sam Peraro, the Hall of Famer at San Jose State, I actually got a little serious. And I said, this is a time where we all, at all levels, need to remember the game stops for nobody. Baseball will always move forward. Nobody is bigger than the game. So you have to really understand that you can't be doing things that are detrimental to the game because the game will chew you up and spit you out, and you'll be done. And the game will move on. Babe Ruth saved baseball. Baseball, there were towns that were going out of business. Babe Ruth and the Yankees showed up. They'd sell out for the three or four days, and then that team would survive. I don't know where baseball would be without Babe Ruth and what he did for the sport. Yankees kept playing without him. Barry Bonds is a great example. They don't build Pack Bell Park without the greatness of Barry Bonds. Giants moved on from Barry Bonds. They're still playing today. And probably the greatest example, I don't think there's any I don't think there's any person in our great game who is ever more connected to a franchise. And truly when you talk face of the franchise than Vin Scully with the Dodgers. Vin Scully's the number one Dodger of all time, and he never threw a pitch. Vin Scully from New York to Los Angeles, what he means to that franchise, a wonderful man. He retired. Dodgers kept playing. We'll just give you examples of no matter who you think you are, the game will always be bigger than you. And I even said it to the – because we had colleges there, Stanford, San Jose State, and Santa Clara. The head coaches were there. And I looked at the college guys, and I said, hey, the college – by the way, the colleges will always be bigger than the sports program. The university will always be bigger than the baseball program. So don't ever think that you're the most important person because you're never going to be because these games will leave you. And when you do stupid things – the game will punish you. I don't know if any I don't know if these three guys will ever get a job again. Some people think Hinch, I don't know about Cora. The thing about Cora being fired from Boston is he's he's a guy that pretty much owned it. That helps out. Lunau, he didn't own it. He deflected it. I don't know what will happen. Dan Shaughnessy, longtime columnist for the Boston Globe, will be here at 2.30. Lou Merloni, former player and now a host on WEEI in Boston, their flagship station, will be here at 3.10. I mean, you, you think two of the power teams in baseball have to go find a manager before spring training. This is crazy. And Ray Fossey will be here at 3.30. But I really do mean it. 
And it kind of ticks me off that so many people are getting away with this. That there's only been three guys canned. Folks, I want you to I want you to think about this with me. To set all this kind of stuff up, right? Someone has to buy the monitors, someone has to buy the cameras. Someone's got to set it up. They got to test it. Who did all this stuff? Who set all this stuff up? I guarantee it wasn't Jeffrey Lunau, the general manager. I guarantee it wasn't Alex Cora setting up monitors, connecting monitors, connecting cameras. You think he was doing that? Who bought all this stuff? There's no accountability. How many people do you think had to be involved to make this work? You think it was players? You think players are smart enough to go all the way out to center? Someone had to wire the camera all the way back to the television screen in, in their monitoring room. Who did that? There's so many accomplices to this thing, to this crime. So they're basically going, you know what, we're going to pop three guys and nobody else. Well, wait a minute. There's all these different people that had to be involved. Trust me, everything that's bought by a Major League Baseball team, the accountants know about it. I'm surprised none of that stuff surfaced in the uh, 73,000 emails that Major League Baseball went through and the 60-something-plus people they interviewed that none of this stuff surfaced. And I'm with you. I think that there's more than just three guys, the GM, the bench coach, and the, and the manager who – who are going to be canned? Well, potentially you could see a player indicted. Although they said nothing would happen to a player, but we'll see what happens to Beltran and in with the Mets. But I'm with you. Like it, what, those guys didn't act alone. It wasn't. It wasn't AJ Hinch telling him, even though he defended him, just saying this is a hypothetical. Go say to Alex Cora, "Hey, go down to the uh, go down to the clubhouse." And uh, no, no, no. It starts with this. This is. I, I want you. To, I want you to realize how ridiculous this is. Okay. Lou now, the general manager, tells the manager, if we can steal signs, let's do it. So then the manager, A.J. Hinch, tells his bench coach, Alex Cora, hey, go down to Best Buy, buy some, buy some televisions, buy some cameras, and then bring them back here to the ballpark and set them up. You really think that's how it went? I Yeah, I'm with you. I want to see the emails. Seriously, how did some – you? Think about the room we're in now. Everything had to be bought. Everything had to be set up. And I'm going to tell you, I did none of it. Uh, I didn't either, but, okay, I, know, so but two, I know But I know who did. Exactly. So the two guys, are you following with me here, people? The two guys that utilize this room that they've turned into like a sound studio where we have microphones, we have equipment, we've got the uh, foam on the wall. That keeps it from echoing in here. It's it's a full on like sound studio. We're the only two guys that use this, and Cody and I didn't do one thing putting it together. So I'm like AJ Hinch. He's like Alex Cora. Okay, somebody had to walk a camera out to center field, had to set up that camera, hide the camera. Probably, I didn't read the full report. Does it does it tell you exactly how they did it? I didn't read it either. I just read about the stuff that was important about what the manager and GM and all the roles they played. But the the thing that everyone could talk about is this, it was the center field camera. 
and that's where okay, they were so, so somebody had to walk a camera out there. Somebody had to set up the camera. Somebody had to turn on the camera. Someone's got to wire the because how's how's the how are you going to watch? So they had a they had a room there in Houston that was right by the dugout where they had the monitors. How's the camera in center field? How are you going to see the video in that room from the camera in center field? How does that work? It's not Wi-Fi. They've got to connect that camera to the monitor. We need to get the IT guy from Houston on. So somebody had to wire that. Somebody had to make that happen. Do you see what I'm saying? It's just not two guys. It's a whole slew of people. And so many people had to know about it. And now Boston, firing Alex Cora. Here, we'll talk about Coming up, are you actually buying what Boston is trying to sell? Because if you ask me, I'm saying no dice. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Mets beat writer Tim Healy has said Carlos Beltran is the only guy mentioned in MLB's investigation who still has a job. Then I'm looking at another guy who covers the Mets, David Lennon. Carlos Beltran is off to a messy start as Mets manager. But that doesn't mean it has to end. The Mets have been a mess for years. And they're now starting to get bailed out by this guy, Cohen, who's a super rich guy, hedge fund guy. The Wilpons, they really don't have – I had it explained to me tonight from somebody who works for the Mets. Basically, the power they're holding on to is the vote power. You know, each team votes in Major League Baseball on stuff. They're keeping that right to be to own that vote for five years. But let's be honest. When you got a guy who comes in and basically bails you out with all that money, he's the guy running the show. What does he think? That's the number one thing. What does Cohen think? <laughs> I did it again. So... I have to stand when I do the show, and I always end up hitting the light, and the light goes out in here. This has been a mess of a day so far, Commander. Well, I told you before, the thing with the lights, though, is it actually helps the temperature in the room when you turn the lights out. So it might actually be a good thing sometimes All when right. the lights are out. Although it's going to be weird with two guys sitting in a closed-door room with the lights out. It already looks weird with us being in here, let's be honest. I don't even know how to do this. Yeah, I think you, it's, I think David forced it at once, where he just accidentally leaned into it and it shut the lights off. <laughs> Don't forget, we got Fan Fest coming up on Saturday, January 25th. And that's going to be Jack London Square, free to the public. Also on that day, you can secure seats, single game seats, I mean, for some great matchups. Don't you want to see the Astros more than ever? The Red Sox, the Yankees, 
the Braves, who our man Josh Donaldson will not be coming to town with the Braves, but he will be coming to town with the Minnesota Twins. Great news for J.D. It's the biggest contract ever given out by the Minnesota Twins. Four years, was it $92 million? And it's the second most money a guy has ever gotten over 33 years old. Kevin Brown, when he signed that deal with the Dodgers, I think it was probably 115. That's the most ever for a guy of 33 or older. And the Twins come to town. What are they, the second series of the year? Opening day, Minnesota Twins. The JD's here on opening day? Bomba Squad. What do they call them? The Bomba Squad? Boomba Squad? They're going to be here. They're 307 home runs they hit last year. Now with you subtract the CJ Crone 25 and add the 37 hit by Donaldson, my, my uh, California Uni- University of Pennsylvania math tells me that's still over 307. Uh, Josh Donaldson, friend of the program, we will have him on A's Cast Live that first series. It's no, a big, that's a big get. No JD very well. So, single game tickets, January 25th, go on sale. You go to athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. So, Josh will be here for opening day and opening night. He'll get a big round of applause. Ace fans love Josh Donaldson. Josh, Josh, hey, let me tell you something. Josh Donaldson didn't want to leave. Josh Donaldson loved playing for Bob Melvin. Have I told this story on A's Cast Live? I know I told this game, this story on my talk show at the other station. Have I ever told about Josh Donaldson's first? For most, most people don't know about this. Josh Donaldson's first time back with the Blue Jays? Mm, I, I know the story about how you said he used to call and talk about college football. I don't know if he told this Okay, one. so here's the deal. Donaldson comes back, spends more time in the A's clubhouse than he does the Blue Jays clubhouse. He essentially hung out for three days, all three games, hanging out in the A's clubhouse. After the, I think after the third game, or the it was either the second game or the third game, Josh Donaldson wrote a very long text to Bob Melvin. And he thanked him. He apologized. I mean, it was this, uh, and to where Bob Melvin told me, and don't don't anybody tell Melvin I told you this story. It brought tears to his eyes. Bob Melvin's not the guy that gets tears to his eyes a lot. That's how much this text from Josh Donaldson meant to Bob Melvin. So if they would have ponied up the money, I mean, at one point he got very expensive, but, like, if you would have given him the three years, $30 million, you gave Billy Butler, Josh Donaldson would have remained an Oakland A. So we're proud of him. It'll be great to see him. And really probably the best situation because if, if, if his defensive skills erode just a little bit, he can DH him. The guy can hit. He's always going to be able to hit. So we're happy for our, our buddy Josh Donaldson. But, yeah, this whole thing, 
it just it, it it's like a it's like a cover up. That's what it's starting to sound like. The commissioner's office, no one can talk about like we can't talk about it with David Forrest. No one can talk about it. If you talk about it, there's going to be major fines, major penalties, major suspensions. Nobody talk about it. And oh, by the way, we're only going to mention one player. One player. And by the way, he doesn't play anymore. Okay, well, what about all the the, the Astros guys? What about all the guys that played? What about all the guys that utilized the sign stealing? you got to think deep into this, folks. Because this affects so many. What if you're a pitcher who got roughed up twice in Houston and it changed your ERA? And now that's going to hurt you when you go into arbitration. I heard my guy Trevor Bauer on the Bauer Hour yesterday. I love MLB Radio on Sirius XM. If you haven't heard, I, I, I got a new car. I ran the old car into the ground. 297,000 miles, called up cars for kids because I've heard that commercial 8 million times, donated the car, and I got a new car, and I have Sirius XM for the first time. And all I do is listen to this MLB channel. It's, 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 it's awesome. They had the Bauer Hour on yesterday. And, and Trevor Bauer, if anybody's – I mean, he's calling out the Astros. He hates the Astros, so he's calling them out. And it's Spielberg – um, Casey Stern doing the Bauer Hour. And Bauer goes, what about Tyler Glass now? He goes into arbitration. I guarantee you they will bring up his outing where he got roughed up. He goes, I guarantee He goes, I've been through this process. They will. He goes, it's, it, it's, you don't understand if a team is cheating. And you've heard so many people say, so what? It's part of the game. No, it's not. Electronic stealing is not part of the game, and it affects people. Players get sent down. Pitchers' ERAs go. I mean, it's just you look at it and you go, this affects so many different people. Dylan Hernandez of the uh, L.A. Times, uh, he's a columnist on there, did a great article yesterday talking about how this Astros thing has affected Clayton Kershaw because of how he got roughed up in the World Series and also you Darvish because remember they pitched on back-to-back days and the thing with you Darvish was the guy can't pitch in the postseason he's tipping his pitches blah 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 and Darvish was an he was an elite pitcher for how many years and he got roughed up in that World Series and it changed their it's going to change their legacies forever especially you Darvish he's going to be known as the guy who was a colossal failure in the in the World Series for the Dodgers when you know when we find out that the Astros actually knew what was coming uh Taking this for Trevor Bauer yesterday, this is the sticking. This is the sticky point about players. How do you prove who did what and what do you do to them? You know, some hitters maybe didn't want the information, right? Let's just just pick a guy. Who's your favorite Astro? Breggy. Breggy. Maybe Breggy. Doesn't know he definitely Bre- 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 Bregman no, at, at home never checks swings. He knows what's coming. Uh, okay, okay this Jose Altuve. Jose I like Altuve. Altuve. Is the guy. Okay, Jose Altuve. Let's say Jose Altuve never wanted to sign. Like, how do you, how do you punish? How do you find out who wanted it, who didn't, who gets punished, how long they get punished, who's banging on the trash can? Is it a player? Is it a trainer? I mean, who's bang- and, and what do they get? 
What does the guy get who's at the plate using it? What does the guy get who's banging on the trash can? That's where it's so dicey. And I think that's why Major League Baseball has said we're not we're, we're not doing anything to any players. And the only player we're going to mention is not a player anymore. And that's Beltran. But the cheaters are getting away with it. That's the problem. I understand how dicey it is. I'm not the commissioner. My job is not to be the top cop in Major League Baseball. My job is to talk about it. And it's just not right, even though I know it's hard and it's dicey, it's not right that the guys who actually implemented the cheating and the guys that used this information to better themselves are getting away with it. It's not right. And because because you're not bringing anybody to justice, you're not doing justice for the players on the other team that you caused harm to their career. It's not fair. And I know life's not fair, but at least I can try and make it fair. These guys cheated. And and you took out the GM. See, what they do is you take out the GM, you take out the manager. Now every GM and manager is going to be scared to death, and they're going to tell your players don't ever do that again because I could lose my career. That 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 That's the deal. They're like cutting the head off of a snake is what they're doing. And they're making examples of three people. So they probably feel in New York right now at the commissioner's office that these three high-profile guys lose their gigs, now no one else is going to do it. But do you think some of the players care? I think players care. Players will tell you, if I could take steroids and it can get me an $80 million contract, I don't care. Look how many guys, even once they start testing for PEDs, still did something. I mean, we, we had Frankie Montas last year. Players are still going to do stuff. So we'll see. But I just don't like, I don't like the fact, I mean, and, and I'm glad. God, who brought this up? Dan O'Dowd, friend of the program, former GM, MLB Network. Yesterday he said on the network, hey, if there's anybody that should be really angry, you know, beyond the World Series teams, which I don't think they're really able to cheat during the World Series. That would have been tough. There's a lot of people around. But as he mentioned, it should be the A's, the Angels, the Rangers. The teams that play the most in Houston, dramatically affected by the most, by, affected by this the most. You're the A's. You won 97 games, two straight years, and Houston's blown you away. If they weren't cheating, would they have blown them away? And are we really, are we really, are we really saying this was just 2017? I mean, come on. Coming up next, he's there now. Tom, how are you? Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Good to be with you. Thanks. As a big baseball fan, before we get into your book, which I find fascinating, we we haven't gotten the book yet, but we can't wait to get it and read it. Uh, what do you make of all of what's been going on the past few days, these bombshells that have happened in Houston and in Boston? 
Well, there's probably going to be even more. I, I, this is probably going to be a storyline that's going to be going throughout the season if more evidence comes forward from other clubs. But I do think that the owner of the Astros made the right move by going beyond what MLB decided to do. They were going to suspend the two, the manager and the general manager, as, as the leaders of, of what they were doing. Um, but uh, but actually going ahead and, and you know firing them and turning the page, I, I think, is the right move for that for that franchise. Um, we'll have to see what uh, you know what else comes down the pipe from for other clubs. Um, I think there's probably been a lot of teams doing this, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, that it, it was going to be hard to believe that you'd have a manager and a general manager that were out for a year. So you'd have to bring in interim people, and then after the World Series, go, oh, they're back. I mean, it just just seems like this is not going to work. Yeah, it becomes a trust issue, and and while those two have you know done a lot of good things for that club i know the general manager is is well known and and certainly helped to to bring a lot of the young players along that that have built the astros out over the recent years um i do think it's just a trust issue with both their fan base and really with all the other with all the other teams in the league well let's talk about your book because when i first uh when it's brought to my attention I thought this is actually a fascinating topic, especially for organizations like the Oakland Athletics that have been around for a long, long time. Because you go back to the Philadelphia teams. I actually put my own list together once I I, I heard about your book. But you you look at the Oakland A's, you got Hall of Famers and World Champions from, from the Philadelphia Athletics to then what you had in the 70s to what, I mean, you talk about an all-time team. Definitely the A's are putting one of the best ones together. Yeah, definitely. The A's have been around since 1901. Some of the National League teams, of course, have been around even longer, going back to the 1800s. But, yeah, the A's can put together a a really good roster, both pitching and hitting and and relief pitching as well. So when you looked at it, who would you think had the the most powerful team, if you look at their all-time team? So first off, let me just mention the methodology I used. I, I use wins above replacement as sort of a starting baseline. That's one of those new sabermetric stats that most people have at least heard of at this point. It really helps you to compare players across the different eras and, and determine who provided the most value in any given season. But I didn't stop there. I, I looked at traditional stats as well. I looked at uh, you know postseason performance because war only looks at, at, at the regular season. Uh, and then lastly, honors and awards. So things like all-star appearances and gold gloves won and stuff like that, which admittedly can be a popularity contest at times. But, um, but you know, I figure if someone was a 10-time All-Star versus a two-time All-Star, there's probably something there. Um, so to your question, uh, using that as the methodology, I do say, you know, I, I, for batting lineup, I, I think the Yankees probably are the strongest. The Red Sox are very strong. The Giants are very strong. But the Yankees aren't number one in my book in terms of in terms of the starting pitching staff. They've got some good hurlers like Whitey Ford and Ron Guidry and others, but I would actually say the A's could compete very well with uh, with with the Yankees. Lefty Grove, Eddie Plank, Rube Waddell. I mean, some of these are very old pitchers. Uh, and then some of the more recent ones, Catfish Hunter, Vita Blue, Tim Hudson, Barry Zito, Dave Stewart. I included all of them on the, on the A's 30-man roster. I absolutely love it. I think this is why it's fascinating because – as you mentioned, teams have been around a long time. If we could actually have like a tournament, this would be like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, uh, because you mentioned the Giants, you got the Dodgers, you got the Cardinals, you got these organizations that have won. You got the Detroit Tigers. You got you got all these organizations that have won championships throughout these decades. That all their teams would have a fighting shot. 
Yeah, and it's fun to think about, you know, who would, if you had if you had a tournament with those, which, by the way, I'm running a simulation with a company called Out of the Park Baseball, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're running multiple season simulations, having these rosters play against each other. And admittedly, it's not real fair to have, say, the Rays or the Marlins go up against, you know, the Yankees or even the Athletics. Um, but nonetheless, you know, on any given day, someone, you know, hits home runs and a pitcher does well, anyone can win. But, yeah, the Yankees will do well. The Red Sox will do well. Basically, the 16 original teams uh, that date back to at least 1901, they're going to do better than, uh, on average than the expansionary teams. Um, you know, the Astros, the Mets, they're going to they're gonna win better than some of the other expansionary teams, but they're not going to compete overall with the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, teams like that. Okay, who are your best expansion-era teams then? Yeah, I would say um, the Mets. The Angels, um, you know, have a pretty good combination of both pitching and, and hitting on those two clubs. Um, the uh, the Expos slash Nationals is actually pretty good. They've had a lot of talent over the years. When you think of Tim Raines, Andre Dawson, more recently Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, you put Scherzer and Strasburg out on the mound. I mean, those are some legitimate stars and Hall of Famers there. I do think the Astros team, when I update the book later this year to include the 2019 and 2020 seasons, um, I'm going to be adding George Springer. I'll have to add Alex Bregman. So they're going to have an infusion of talent, given that, you know, cheating aside, <laughs> their statistics are pretty strong uh, for these past several years. Well, the Expos slash Nationals, if you want to get technical, you could have Scherzer, Strasburg, Randy Johnson, and Pedro Martinez. <laughs> I actually do include Pedro Martinez. Uh, I don't include Johnson. Uh, he was only there very early in his career when he was kind of wild as a pitcher. He hadn't really hit his stride yet. Um, one thing I do allow, though, is for people to make more than one roster in the book. So Pedro Martinez is a good example of that. He makes both the Expos and Nationals, of course makes the Red Sox. Um, but there's others that make that, including with your athletics, uh, you know, Jimmy Fox, Eddie Collins, Lefty Grove. They all split their careers between the A's and other teams. Uh, and so they make both uh, that franchise and, uh, and and others, Red Sox in the case of Grove and Fox. Yeah, I was wondering how you were going to do that, right? You know, because like like Roger Clemens could be on multiple lists, you know. So I was wondering if you were going to allow guys, or if you didn't allow them, why would that be? And and, and so if I have Roger, if I have Roger Clemens, do I and I can't allow him to be on multiple teams? Do I got to put him in a place that he played the most? Right, and that's what other authors and fan surveys have done over the years. And one of the things my book does is, is I've, I've researched all of those going back to the 50s, and I describe each of those and, and compare their choices with mine. And in some cases, they didn't allow a player to be on more than one. But I thought that was kind of strange to do. I mean, the player was important to your franchise just as much as the other. So, you know, the one that always comes to mind for me is Frank Robinson. He split his career between the Orioles and the Reds. I feel like he should be allowed to be on both all-time dream teams. That is a very good point. How just how much fun was it doing this book and putting it together? Oh, a huge amount of fun. I grew up in the in the seventies and eighties. I live in western New York, and unlike uh, California, Florida, you can't play baseball year round. Uh, where I live, we get a lot of snow here, and so I, I would spend a lot of time as a kid with those big paper encyclopedias back then, and thinking about these kind of questions and who should be in the Hall of Fame and stuff like that. So. By the time uh, late 90s came around, I started writing the book. I worked on it off and on for many years. And I think partly it was uh, just a matter of, of what time did I have to dedicate to it. I had to rewrite chapters over time and stuff. But I also just really enjoyed the process as, as a big fan like yourself would, would probably have enjoyed as well. 
Yes, the book. I can't wait to read it. Now taking the field, baseball's all-time dream teams for all 30 franchises. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time. I know the books are uh, uh, are on the way. Can't wait to read it, and we'll keep promoting it for you. Great. Thanks a lot. Enjoy it when you get it. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. The A's got a shot. There's no question. Their all-time team is is it would be so dynamic and as he said, the pitching is off the charts. Now, I put mine together. Did you ever put one together, Commander? I didn't do the A's. We, you and I were talking about this and you were asking me What about I... your Pirates? They'd have a pretty good all-time team. Yeah, Pops and Roberto Clemente. Andrew McCutcheon, the more co- recency. The Cobra, Dave Parker. The Cobra. Um, you got Doug Drayback. Uh, I put Doc Ellis on there just for throwing in a, a no-hitter. Put on him on I- LSD. LSD. Kent to Colby closing. Yeah, the, the catching position, I, I, I'd i have to look at LaVallier. that one. LaVallier. He'd be one. I, I'd look at Jason Kendall because Kendall was really good for the Pirates. Yeah, but what about the old, old Pirates? Hannes Wagner. Would you put my grandfather at third? My grandfather was an original Pirate. Well, I mean, the Pirates were playing forever, but I mean, Ralph Kiner. There's a lot of guys. The, the original Pirates, Hans Wagner. Oh yeah, I, I mean, original for my grand. His oh first yeah, team yeah, was yeah. The Pirates. I mean, he he had a really nice. Uh, who was there one year? No, he was like first like five six years of his yeah, career. I remember he had like four home runs and 130 RBIs. Yeah, my grandfather was the king of 100 RBIs and not a lot of home runs, and he didn't start hitting home runs till the Braves. Was my grandfather juicing in the 40s? I mean, it's a possibility. Questions got to be raised. But you remember, Pittsburgh's ballpark was was Forbes Field. Yeah, it was not a bandbox. Forbes Field, and then Three Rivers. They still uh, every that, that old field. Like the dimensions are crazy. That's why there was no home runs hit there. Every year on the same day, the day that Mass hit the home run off the Yankees in 1960, the same day every year, fans go to for, the where the remains of Forbes Field is, and they go back and they replay the game there. What from 1960, the game seven. Are you monitoring Twitter to see when Carlos Beltran? Yes, that's all. That's all. I'm, I'm engulfed. We predicted Alex Cora would be fired. We were right. Carlos Beltran, I just, what do you do? He's the only guy implicated who was a player. Did they bring this up in their meetings when they hired him? And what was his reaction? What did he say? Has he been honest? Hey, the guy did not. Beltron at one point was denying all this, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe so, yes. But, like said, again, he's the only player mentioned in the entire nine-page report. And, you know, along with Alex Cora, who was mentioned 11 times, Beltron's the only guy named in there. And I want to see what happens because the Mets had to have asked these questions because he worked for the Yankees and then he goes over to, you know, take take the Mets job. And if you're if you're the Mets, you know, you have to you have to do your due diligence on this. And, I, Tom Verducci was on MLB MLB Now yesterday, talking or MLB Tonight after they got rid of Cora, and they asked him. Uh, they were talking about the five. The Mets were looking at five different things with Cor, um, with Beltron, and two of them were his uh, trustworthiness. Trustworthiness was one of them. The things they liked about him, and his ability to use technology was the other one. Well, both of those things are pretty uh, pretty big right now, going on technology. And can you trust your manager? Because I, I think the Red Sox saw that with Alex Cora, and look what happened there. Yeah, not good. Not good whatsoever. Better question is, uh, can we th- can we throw Bruce Bochy's name into the uh, if the Mets move on? If the Mets move on from Beltron, will Bruce Bochy be the next manager of the Mets? Dusty Baker, David Wright, 
That's a way out of the box one. That's way out of the box. I, you know, I think with Bochi, where he is in his career, he wants to manage again. But I don't know how long. What if you called him up and say, hey, listen, I don't know what the future holds. And how would I know right now? I'm how many days away from spring training? I don't have a manager. It's about three weeks. So I got to get stability in my franchise in three weeks. You've won three World Series. I know you want to manage again. Come help me right now. And I'll give you full power for a year. You know, something like that. And this is who we have in the front office. This is who you're going to work with. And you're going to have a lot of say in personnel for this year. And if it goes great, maybe we extend you. I'm just saying I need leadership and I need it now. That's what I I mean. If I'm Jim Crane, because that, because I, as I said to start this thing out, so many people had to be involved just to make this, just to make the technology work. There's blood all over these people's hands in this organization. And that blood is Jeffrey Lunau and A.J. Hinch. But they were a part of it. Remember in Lunau's uh, statement after he was like, oh, he said that it was Alex Cora and lower-level employees. So not only he just defamed Cora, he also def- he also pretty much uh, threw the uh, lower-level employees under the bus, too, instead of taking it all, you know, all on himself, where Hinch got in front of it and said that he was sorry about it. Even Alex Cora, in his statement, didn't say he was sorry either, which was interesting. Dave, Dave uh, Dan O'Dowd brought that up yesterday. I was listening, and he was like, I went back and looked at it twice, and he never once mentioned that he said, you know, he never mentioned sorry in there. Of course. He's cold-hearted. Well, last night at the hot stove dinner, we honored one of the great Bay Area baseball players of all time in Dave Rigetti. And I just, I'm thinking about the, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know what? I got an idea. An idea just came to my head. If I'm the Astros, what would I do? I'll have it for you next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay. A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Do you realize I have had a sick kid at home Thursday, Friday, now Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Is that crazy? So my 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 Maddie's at home by herself right now. The professor, Matt Pearl, has his daughter home from school today. I was going to ask you, like, there's no way that they're still off for them going only one of them. So I'm like, okay, so she must be sick. But the first day, was that Friday I came over? It uh, was at 1030 in the morning. And uh, I saw her sitting there, and I was like, shouldn't you be in school? <laughs> yeah, they've been out. The twins have been under the weather. By the way, the sneaky peek is out for the promotional schedule for the A's. Opening day, that'd be March 26th. 
You get a magnetic A schedule. May 2nd, which is a Saturday, is a Chris Davis giveaway. And then Saturday the 9th is the 510 cap giveaway. And this, we got to pack the house for Stu's retirement, right? Saturday the 23rd, Dave Stewart retirement, and there's a giveaway. That's just March and May. In June, we got Pride Night on the 2nd. Saturday the 7th is Battle of the Bay, a celebration giveaway. Hyphy fireworks on the 19th. And then another one I know you're all going to love, the Marcus Simeon giveaway on June 20th. Throughout spring, we'll be giving you these dates and all the stuff that's going on. What did I tease going into the last segment? You, you threw me off with this promotional. That's a great question. Um, that was so long ago. That was so like six minutes ago. We're talking about the uh, Astros and Beltron. Oh, hey, here's something we thought about during the break. This all-time team thing? Could Nolan <laughs> Ryan be on the all-time angel? Because his, his jersey's retired with all three. They retired his jersey in Anaheim. So could he be on the Angels, the Rangers, and the Astros all-time team? How many times did Nolan Ryan have to face himself going on the mound? It's Nolan Ryan against Nolan Ryan. Uh, every, I, I can't do it. Every time I think, every time you say Nolan Ryan, I just think of you doing the Nolan Ryan voice, the secretary. Mr. Ryan's office. Mr. Nolan. I mean, Ms., M, Mr. Ryan will be with you in just a minute. Hey, it's Nolan Ryan. It's Nolan Ryan. I think I think uh, he'd win the day on the on the mound there, but we wanted we were talking because we saw the video promo that plays here in our offices, and we were like, "Look, you got you got Eck and Raleigh on the all time A's." Uh, yeah. and remember, Raleigh can go multiple innings. He threw a complete game in spring training. I mean, so Raleigh could take the ball in the sixth, and he can go six, seven, and eight, and Eck in the ninth, and it's ball game over. Then you have you know all the starters from Stu. And Lefty Grove, as he's been mentioned. There's a Catfish, Vida. You want my lineup? Yeah, let's hear it, because you never, you never went over it. All right, here's my lineup. Behind the dish, Hall of Famer Mickey Cochran. Tom Fossey. First base, Hall of Famer Jimmy Fox. Second base, Hall of Famer Eddie Collins. These are all Philadelphia guys. At shortstop. It's a tough call. Can't be won a lot of rings. But I'm going with Miguel Tejada. Yeah, he was pretty good. He won an MVP. All right. Miggy. Third base. I want to go Matt Chapman. It's just too early. Matt Chapman, when it's all said and done, will be the greatest third baseman in A's history if he stays here. So, without having Chapman, I'm going to go with Sal Bando, the captain, who you can actually make a case. Sal's a borderline Hall of Famer. Has the war. He's a 60 war. We went over this. We went down a deep rabbit hole the other day after the show on guys in their wars. And who was the, we, uh, Brian Giles is the guy we were debating about for a while. Is Brian Giles a Hall of Famer? Brian Giles. It's so ridiculous. It really, I mean, Brian Giles had a 59 point something war. Are you going to say he's a Hall of Famer? No. That's why it's so tough to use war. All right, my outfield. Left field. 
the man of steel, Ricky Henderson. Center fielder, Hall of Famer, Al Simmons. Right field, Reggie Jackson. And my DH, I struggled with this one because I love me some Jose, but my DH is Mark McGuire. Guys hit more home runs than anybody in A's history. Did Jack Cuss just miss the cut or? Jack Cuss is not even allowed in the stadium. <laughs> what do you think of that lineup? Uh, it's pretty solid. I, I'd have to go through and look. Um, I'd probably have a lot of the same guys. I'd somehow have to try to sneak Canseco and McGuire in there, but it's hard because there's so many good outfielders. Okay, who would you who would you take? I mean, no one hit in, in A's history. No one hit more home runs than Mark McGuire. You're not going to have him as your DH. Well, he'll be there, and you got to have the st- the stir of the straws of drink in there. You got to have Ricky in there. Yeah, it'd be hard. Yeah, I'd have to. Yeah, I guess Canseco just misses. He'd be the uh, the honorable mention that every list does anymore. And Canseco wasn't always healthy. Speaking of all-time great A's, the great Mickey Morbido just walked by again while we're here. Oh, the greatness! Oh, there he is again. The greatness that's around this these offices are just unbelievable. You got to remember too, if you look at the numbers McGuire was putting up when he left. I mean, you're talking about fifty-something home runs. I mean, and that and that the starting staff. The starting staff just for for the Oakland A's is good enough to beat. The New York Yankees. Well, who are you putting on the Yankees on? He's, what do you say? Whitey Ford, Ron Guidry. I mean, you, you put Clemens on there? You have to. I think Clemens has to be on there. Andy Pettit. David Wells. Andy Pettit. Uh, my guy, David Cohn, the assassin. The guy that we'll always argue about for the Hall of Fame. A guy that I think this is a hot take. This is going to be a very controversial picker for the Yankees' all-time pitchers, but I think... Garrett Cole? I think Mariano Rivera has to be on that list. No. I think I think Rivera has to be on there. No. What, he's a setup guy? I, I think he I think he comes in and pitches the seventh for the Yankees. They've, they've had that a That is a hot take. Mariano Rivera should be on the team. That is a smoking do, hot take. Do you put CeCe Sabathia on there? 11 years with the Yankees. <sighs> Who are you taking out? I go. I have to go. We'd have to go through the entire list of every great Yankees pitcher, but I think CC he he's not enough to, in my opinion. I know mean, the last couple of years he, kind of he's down, in but, consideration. Oh, of course. I'm trying to think of if we're forgetting a one's a very obvious pick that could be a. But it's amazing. It's like Whitey Ford, and you don't remember any of their. I mean, they won so many World Series. Who were these guys? Don Larson was an under five hundred pitcher. Yeah, I mean, uh, R.I.P. Don Larson, but. Had the perfect game in the, the only guy with a perfect game in the World Series. So I'm trying to think if we're forgetting anyone more recently. Uh, who are some good Yank? Carl Pavano, um, he just missed the list. Uh, AJ Burnett, he misses the list. I'm just trying to think of guys over the last like 10, 15 years that were dominant Yankee starting pitchers, and I can't. There's, there's not, a, there's not a ton of them. Um, I mean, Luis Severino maybe could be on there. Nathan Evaldi. Oh. Yeah, he throws hard. (laughs) All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to the GM of your Oakland Athletics, David Forrest, right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, go! 
Carpenter. Hits one out. Beat on. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it has been a while since we've been able to talk to the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. David Force is with us. And, David, uh, first time in 2020. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to stay busy doing other things rather than just talking to you. So, Well, we've missed you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate being missed. So, you know, I think about it. You, you just acquired a second baseman. And uh, talk about that fight that we're going to see at second base here in spring training. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, look, Tony Kemp is, uh, you know, has had a lot of success. He played a really good second base last year. We've seen him across the diamond with the Astros, and he was just a, an absolute pest for us. Um, you know, I still can't believe that walk-off homer he hit a couple of years back actually went out. But, um, no, he's a, a really good guy, good versatility. So, you know, with him and, and Franklin Barreto uh, and our Rule 5 pick, Vimeo Machine, um, you know, there's going to be some options at second. But, but Tony's versatility uh, and the left-handed bat are, are certainly things we've been trying to add all offseason. And tell us what you think about Jorge Mateo, because we saw the great stats last year. Down in Vegas, but, I mean, who didn't have great stats down in Vegas <laughs> last year? I mean, you and I might be able to hit a few home runs out down in Vegas. Uh, tell us what kind of player you envision him being, because at some point he's getting close to where – he needs a shot. Yeah, no, he's at that point. And, and yeah, my fault in leaving him out of that conversation just because, you know, historically we think about Jorge more as a shortstop. He's played there more. Obviously, uh, our shortstop position is not up for grabs this spring. Um, but, no, Jorge is going to be part of that mix in spring training too, and he's out of options just like Barreto is. Um, so we're going to have to make some decisions. Um, and and who knows what happens during the spring. Look, he's he's played some outfield in his career. He hasn't since since he came over here in the trade, but uh, as a prospect with the Yankees, he played the outfield. Um, so who's to say, you know, as March goes along, where, where we figure out how to fit in Jorge? Because like you said, he did have a great year uh, in Vegas last year, as did a number of guys down there. So when I think about this 26th man on the roster, has it been ultimately decided – how you can use it? Well, what you can't do is add a 14th pitcher. I mean, that, that's the one thing we know. And, and uh, you're capped at 13 pitchers. And it's, it's been a number of years here where we've pretty consistently gone with an eight-man uh, eight bullpen. So you've got your five starters. You've got eight guys in the pen. So pretty much that 13th or, or 13th position player, 26th roster guy, it's going to be – uh, some sort of utility guy. And that's why, you know, the Pinders of the world, the Kemps, maybe Mateo, Barreto, Machine, maybe they figure in somehow. But it's going to be a guy who needs to bounce around for you. Would, it, would, would the ultimate guy be someone who also could be a serviceable catcher? <laughs> yeah, if you ask Bob, he'd love to have a, <laughs> he'd love to have a third or option. Or Ray Fossey. <laughs> sure, Foss would say so too. Um, yeah, I mean, there's – how many guys are – are there now that you know are position players who can still go behind the dish? I mean that's a that's a pretty rare thing. Um, but yeah, when you know when you're locked into two catchers, it's always hard to pinch hit. I know Bob has always felt like you know you go to your second catcher even in the seventh eighth inning and you're you're just kind of holding on, hoping nothing happens. And we've got you know we've got Canna and Pinder guys who probably are your emergency catchers, but you never want to get to the emergency situation. 
So last night down at the Hot Stove Dinner, it's a, an event that you've been to. I emceed it last night, and one of the guys we honored for Player of the Year w- w- was Mark Canna. And, you know, when you're talking to a crowd of like 600 people, you know, some people are big-time A's fans, some are not. And just talking about Mark, it's so easy. It's like, you know, I gave him the nickname Duct Tape. You know, if there's a problem <laughs> that Bob had, you know, he fixes it. And I was saying, like, there's no way this team wins 97 games without him. I mean, what he did for this team, playing whatever it was, 56 games or whatever in center field. Because you remember back when you guys took him as a Rule 5 guy, we were like, well, what's he going to play? Is he a DH? Can he play first? Maybe a little third? I never heard center field. Just talk about how important Mark Canna is to this franchise. Yeah, I was uh, I was sorry to miss the event last night down in Santa Clara because I know Mark was honored. Um, but we, look, we we've actually spent a lot of time talking about Mark. A because we we made the Rule Five pick, and and you know there's there's no better example of a guy that it's worked out for. But also we spent all of last week working on arbitration, and uh, you, all you have to do is look at Mark's salary. He went from making just over two million last year to just under five this coming year, and and that arbitration process rewards guys performance and and mark's performance last year was outstanding uh and when when ramon went down in early august and you know we looked at where the production was going to come from and and where we were going to find ab's and outs in center field mark really stepped up and and yeah you've talked about him a lot but his you know his story goes right along with the story of the 2019 a's yeah, it's great that you inked up everybody. You don't have any arbitration cases. And I remember early in my career, I had to get an agent because I was soft and I couldn't handle the criticism during negotiations, right? But now I don't. I, I got rid of my agent because now I, I've been doing this for so long. I, you don't want to go to arbitration because you're going to have to say negative things about the player because you've got to defend where you guys are versus where the player is. Yeah, how much do you just want to avoid that altogether? You do, you do, and we, you know, look, it's it is part of the business. Uh, arbitration comes around every year. Everybody sort of uh, looks at that week on the calendar and, and wishes it would just it, you could just skip it. But um, we've been, you know, we we went with Blake a year ago. We went with KD the year before that. The guys are professionals. They understand part of the business. Both those guys beat us in hearings, so I think it probably it helped. Uh, it helped sort of keep the friendship going between but um you really do want to avoid it we had seven cases all of last week we settled them all friday morning um you know the biggest one and the most public one obviously being our shortstop and uh, i didn't want to end up in a hearing room with marcus Simeon and, and look at his season and look yeah, at, you're losing that one lo- look at the, <laughs> the top three mvp voting and have to try and say something bad about that guy because because uh, there isn't a whole lot to say bad about him right now I remember like when Tim Lincecum did it and they brought his Cy Young Awards with him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a crazy thing. You see MVPs and Cy Youngs actually go into hearing room, and, and I understand the fans don't get it. Why would you possibly go against a guy like that? It's just, again, the, the process sort of plays itself out, and, and you have to fit everyone's salary into that structure before they're free agents. But, again, the, the best outcome for us was was to avoid with all seven guys. So when you go through that process, 
So it's going to be the player's agent, and then who for the A's is going to be going up against the player's agent? Well, we, we have an outside practitioner that, that prepares the case and presents it. I mean, I, I'm sitting there. I'm on our side of the table. Um, so, you know, it's not always comfortable, like I said, sitting across from Blake or, or Chris when you do it. But, but we do have an outside practitioner who's done this for years and years who presents the case for you. So speaking of the bullpen, how do you, you know, the, the bullpen was supposed to be a major strength. Well, still, the bullpen was good, but not as good as I think you thought it was going to be. What are your expectations this year of the bullpen? I think we come in with a, an incredibly strong unit again. I mean, you look at you look at you start with Liam at the back and what he was able to do stepping in for Blake, um, and then to have guys like Soria, Petit, and Diekman right in front of him, um, you know, with their experience, their ability to step in and pitch in the eighth or ninth inning uh, on the days Liam isn't available. Um, and with that said, I you know you haven't even mentioned Lou Trevino who. Uh, a year ago, we were saying was a candidate to close. Obviously, Lou, between performance and, and health, didn't have the 2019 he was hoping to have, but I expect Lou will bounce back. Uh, you know, J.B. Wendelkin, T.J. McFarland, who we claimed off waivers. This is, again, an experienced uh, and really strong group. You know, another guy we don't mention enough, and all you got to do is go to baseball reference. You look at how many times he took the ball. Yes, Merrill Petit. Yeah. I mean, you don't win 97 games without him either. I mean, you can't say enough about a rubber arm and an arm that, you know, Bob's always going to look down there and go, he wants the ball, he can take it. Yeah, no, and, and picking up the option on UC's contract this year was a no-brainer for us. Um, but you're right, he can do just about anything. He'll come in in the fourth and get you out of a jam and give you two innings. He'll come in in the eighth with runners on base. You know, it's... There, there are so few guys out there that you can trust in any situation, and Bob leans on Petit heavily. Um, heck, we even talked about him starting at one point last year because he's done that in the past, and when we had some injuries and you know needed a spot start, his name always comes up, so uh, it's key to have guys like that. Yeah, I uh, could easily be a candidate as, as the opener. Sure. Uh, you were going to open that bag of worms right now? Go. I'm just bringing it up. <laughs> I'm just saying he could – actually, he could be a guy who gets you three or four because he was a starter back in the day. Um, when, when you think about guys out of options, and I know we've talked about this guy in the past, and I, I think spring training is going to be very interesting for him, is a guy who has a very good arm, healthy once again, won you games last year, was not selfish, went to the bullpen for Bob Melvin – Chris Bassett, this is an interesting offseason for him. For sure, for sure. And Chris was one of those guys last week that we uh, we got his case settled. He got a nice raise, much deserved after his season last year. But, you know, you think about it, he got he got optioned out when we went to Japan. Um, you know, he was he was on that team, start of the season, back to AAA, and, and we ended up needing him like five days later just because that's how it works. But he wasn't necessarily in that rotation to start the year and ended up making some huge starts. Uh, but like you said, was willing to go to the pen. Um, is he on the outside of the rotation looking in right now? It's you know, hard to say. Nothing ever goes the way you exactly plan it. But but to have his versatility, to, to be in the rotation, be the long guy. Um, you know, Daniel Mangdon's in that spot too. Daniel's out of options and comes into camp as a starter. We'll keep him stretched out. But may end up in the bullpen giving us some length. I remember you and I talked about Chris in Japan. It was like like that 
weird fourth year option or something right. like that. Yeah, he had the fourth option last year, which when when you miss a, a full season with injury the way Chris did early in his career and you've come up, you know, there's a combination of things. He came up before he'd used his, you know, all of his minor league time. So he did have the fourth option, which was, you know, unfortunate for him last year. It worked out great to give us the flexibility, but he certainly earned his spot here. Isn't it amazing? We're sitting here talking about eh, maybe second base or I mean, last year you had to put a whole starting five together. It's like this offseason versus last offseason. It's crazy different. It is. It is. It's been a lot quieter, for, you know, in a good way, because I think, you know, we return the majority of a team that won 97 games and, and that absolutely should compete uh, for the division this year. So we had a rotation in place, which wasn't the case the previous two years. We've tried to make little tweaks here and there. Bringing Diekman back was a big priority for us. Um, and now, like you said, figure out second base, figure out the catching situation behind Murph. But um, but Bob's got most of the same team back, and I know he's excited about that. When do we know about the reliever having to face at least three guys? When are we going to know for sure? <laughs> That's a good question. We've been operating all offseason as if it's going to happen, and, and it, it is. So we, we can sort of – we haven't seen the written language yet. We can count on it now. So – um, yeah, you're going to have to face three hitters or you're going to have to end an inning. Um, you know, the one thing we've learned since is if you face one hitter, finish an inning, go back out, you got to face two more hitters. So that's the decision Bob's going to have to wrestle with when, when managing the bullpen. So there'll be some new dynamics. That's why a guy like Diekman's so, so important, right? Without a doubt, facing right-handers. And, and McFarland has faced right-handers too and is probably the best ground ball guy on our whole, uh, our whole staff out there. So he's going to play a big role. All right, spring training right around the corner. Good luck. We'll talk to you uh, when we're down there. We'll probably talk to you in February, and then we'll see you down there in March. Yep, I'm looking forward to getting down there just a couple more weeks. The general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Forrest, right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. I always love catching up with David Force, the general manager. You know, I've always said this to him. That, you know, certain guys have different patterns on how they speak. David's perfect for sound bites. Like you take that interview and you can just cut up and it's perfect for you know, later on, like the pre, if we had a pregame show today, David Force said this, and then he said that. David's great about that, the way, just his cadence and his pattern, the way he speaks. And he always says something, too. There's nothing worse than when you've got to do a weekly interview with somebody and they don't say anything. Trent Balky. I used to have to do the Trent Balky show. And Trent, Trent didn't want to talk about it. You got to ask coach. You know, I mean, he didn't want to. It's like, why are you doing a weekly interview if you're not going to say anything? It was like, it, it was, it's like every week dreaded it. You got to Google it. You got to Google it. And then I did the, um, what the hell was his name? Raiders coach, Dennis Allen. I did the Dennis Allen show. And that, sh- it was vanilla. I mean, absolutely. Wouldn't say anything. Wouldn't say, I mean, it's like, guys. If you're going to agree to take the check and you're going to agree to do a weekly thing, you got to say something. You got you got to you got to give the fan base something. 
You got I, to do, but you got to do Harbaugh though, and Harbaugh spoke. He always said something. We didn't do weekly with Harbaugh. He was with another station. Doesn't sound like you know what you're talking about. Uh, we did a couple with Harbaugh. Yeah, the one with Harbaugh. So one Harbaugh was great. One Harbaugh, it could not have gone any worse. Harbaugh, when he was doing the MasterCard thing and he was doing the interview for MasterCard, he was phenomenal. Harbaugh can be phenomenal when he wants to be. And then the other time, he was just doing it because of 49ers PR. Then it was like pulling teeth. By the way, if you own a business or if you got a bunch of buddies that want to get together and get a suite, I'm telling you right now, these A's suite deals are incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. You go to athletics.com slash suites. That's athletics.com slash suites. We're talking about you can be on the field and watch BP. So there's a bunch of different packages, so that's why you got to go check it out. But some of the packages, be on the field for batting practice. Some of the packages, you'll actually take batting practice. Complimentary parking, you get A's access. That's 50% off concessions, 25% off merchandise. They've got three game packs, six game. Just go check it out. And the and, and, and the pricing is so legit. You go to athletics.com slash sweets. That's athletics.com slash sweets. Second base. Second base and everybody's out of options. That's the battle. Isn't that good news? You know you got a good team when the main battle you got is at second base. Because with the firepower that this A's team has, I mean, really, second base, I need a guy that can pick it. I need a guy who can play defense. I need a guy who's not going to one-hop the first baseman all the time or throw it into the dugout. Or on the double play, throw it out into left field. Sorry, jerks and Profar. Yeah, by the way, we were down in San Diego for the winter meetings, right? And there is this debate down in San Diego. Because the defensive metrics say that Profar is not that bad. But we, who watch him on an everyday basis said, uh, yeah, don't buy the Met. We had to tell these Padre people. Because once again, when we were down there, you know, everybody was coming up to us. Hey, Cass, we've heard about this. So we had these Padres people coming up to us. What were they? They ran the they ran some type of website. Yeah, I think it was like Prospects, wasn't it? I remember the guys when we were talking to them, but they were they were really excited to talk Hardcore to Hardcore Padre fans. They were excited to talk to you. They didn't really – I mean, they talked to you. I was busy working on stuff. But I remember them coming up to you, and, I, and all, everyone's like – Well, I'm the, so Jerks, I am the face of A's cast. That's true. It's, hey, it's tough now because Jensen's not on here as much. But when, when the regular season's back, it's a, it's, a, it's a doll race to the end between who's the face of A's cast, between you and Jensen. How dare you bring up that scumbag and compare him to me. It's the face of A's all night. That's the most – I mean, people love that podcast. But, yeah, everyone came up to us while we were there and mentioned how we, you know, they want to talk about Ace Cast, but they were like, so Jerickson Profar, he looks pretty good on the defensive metrics. That's where numbers lie sometimes, people. Um, we watched him. You watched him more than I did because you were here weekends a lot where I always wasn't. The guy, he, yeah, he maybe he grounded the ball, but um, 
it was that wasn't what it wasn't getting the getting to the ball was getting the ball to your glove and getting it to first is what we always worried about or second or anywhere he threw the ball home. <laughs> oh, there there was sometimes he wouldn't even throw it on the double play because he didn't really want to throw it. By the way, do we have someone coming up here? The uh, Hall of Famer Dan Shaughnessy will. Dan become. Shaughnessy. In my hands, I have a piece of paper. One of my favorite things in the world has happened. Win totals. The season win totals are out in Nevada. What are season totals? What they do is they put a number out there. And they put a number out there that they got to protect themselves. See, this is how this is how betting works. And I love how baseball is turning on. People think gambling is going to be a big part of baseball in 2020. For God's sakes, when we were in Japan last year, MGM sponsored the Japanese series. MGM is now a sponsor in Major League Baseball. Gambling and baseball, it's happening. Sorry. All those years of you can't talk about it, you can't. Sorry, it's over. So what they do is they put a number out there that they want people to bet on both sides so they don't get hammered. So this is your win total that you can bet on. And the win total will change by a game, a half game, by how much the Sharps are putting on the numbers. So there's a lot of smart gamblers who make this bet because it's a bet that lasts all year long. And they hammer these win totals so they can really cash. If you're smart, you cash in big at the end of the season. So let's look at the teams that matter. The A's win total, 89 and a half. So to win, the A, if you bet this, the A's got to win 90 games. You know what that's, you know what that's called? Hashtag respect, because the win totals have not been this high. So Vegas, Vegas is not being fooled by the A's anymore. You know, they, they, they've been burned two straight years with these 97 wins. Vegas is coming strong, giving the A's 89 and a half. This is one if you are somebody who likes to put money on bets and you ask my opinion – I'd, I'd hammer this right now. Astros, 97 wins. The Astros do not have a manager. The Astros don't have a general manager. The Astros are going to be asked over and over and over again about cheating. They're going to get sick and tired of it. It's going to wear them down. It's going to be spring training. It's going to be the national guys. Hey, when they come here, you don't think we're going to ask them about it? You can't tell me this is not going to be weighing on their minds. And that makes for, could be some struggles. Garrett Cole's gone. I would go under on Astros 97. Where are the Boston Red Sox? Red Sox are at 89. That might be one you hammer the under on also. 
they might go into a little bit of a re- rebuild mode now with what's going on. Do we have Dan? Dan, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How are you? Good. How you doing? Uh, we're doing well. Um, we talked about this on Monday because obviously being the A's and in the same division as the Astros, uh, we, we were all over this and we wondered at that time, you know, what's going to be the fate of Alex Cora, the guy who's mentioned in, in, in these papers more than anybody else. Were you shocked or not on how the Red Sox handled the firing of Alex Cora? Uh, no, I thought that, uh, you know, I, I called for this uh, early in the day yesterday. To me, it was obvious that he was, this was not survivable and that they, they could not go on with this. Uh, there was going to be another suspension, at least a year. And who wants to have your manager under those conditions? And given the transgressions and, and all the shame that came with that, uh, they, they would have to move on. So um, I thought they might resist it and hang in there, and they did not. They, they capitulated uh, full time and, as you say, uh, fired the manager last night. Heim Bloom, have we ever seen a general manager have to deal with so much whether it's this, are you going to trade Mookie Betts, deal with all of this, and you haven't even had an official game yet. Do you think we've ever seen this in baseball? No, it's a fair point. I mean, for him to come in to walk into this uh, uh, bleep show and, and just landmines everywhere, uh, it's it's a lot. He's a young guy, and I mean, he comes to a place with you know a lot of star power, a lot of payroll, so it's a step up, and, and uh, he's got a chance to, you know, kind of have fun and maybe in a weird way uh being able to hire your own manager and have your own staff that might be a good thing it's not the way you'd want to have it unfold and it's it's time sensitive now but you know when you're when you're coming into that position you sort of want to have your own guys and he will have a chance to do that now although it's probably limited who can go get at this point yeah and we've kicked it around because uh tony larusa the hall of famer had an arf event here recently and bruce bochy was a part of it so we had bruce bochy on the program and we know he still wants to manage i mean just kicking it around whether you're the astros whether you're the red Sox, you got spring training three weeks away you need stability you need stability now would you think about calling someone like bruce bochy saying hey Bochy, we just need some help this year well, you know more than I know. So if you're telling me Bochi wants to manage, then that would be end of the conversation, in my view, because you'd, you'd grab him in a heartbeat. And, uh, you know, we saw him, you know, the Giants came through here in September and, and it was his farewell tour and all that stuff. And he hasn't spent a lot of time here because he's a National League guy all those years. But uh, this is a guy with, you know, tremendous respect in baseball. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And, um, uh, <laughs> I mean, if if you're telling me he would be agreeable to manage again, I'm telling you that would be the easiest call of all time to have him come in here immediately. Yeah, and sticking up there in the Northeast, the, everybody who's been mentioned has been fired except Carlos Beltran. Do you think Carlos Beltran survives this with the Mets? It feels like no. Um, I think that uh, a, a hot name is probably going to be Eduardo Perez now because uh, you know the Mets did interview him before they hired Beltran and, and given all the unfortunate stigma that's come to Beltran's doorstep in the wake of the last few days, um, if he doesn't survive this, I, I think the Mets could go back there. I think the Red Sox could talk to Perez. You know, he's, uh, he's got great respect and I, I, I think they wish they had the Mets had hired him in the first place. And, and now to me that that's a possibility. What did you think of the press conference today in Boston? 
useless, you know, just uh, the notion that they won't they won't admit that they fired the manager. It, it's insulting to the intelligence of all the fans, and it just makes everything else suspect, in my view. They're they're very PR conscious, and they're really bad at it. And um, you know, falling back on the investigation, can't comment and reserve. There seemed to be a little inference that they don't think they're going to get spanked that hard on the next cheating scandal because they kept talking about a reserve judgment and wait till that comes out. And uh, if it were comparable to Houston, I think that uh, that would be a bad play to talk about reserving judgment and have it come out that way. And they were repeat offenders because they were slapped in, in 17, which makes me think any transgression would be greeted uh, harshly. So I don't know where this is going. Um, I think, uh, I think it's going to be interesting how it plays out, and I'm, I'm not confident it'll be in a good way for the Red Sox. Yeah, if I remember correctly, after the Apple Watch scandal, it was Rob Manfred, the commissioner, who came out and said the Boston Red Sox absolutely promised nothing like this will ever happen again. Right, and we ridiculed the commissioner then and basically said he was weak, and and uh, this was like sort of like the parental – Okay, if if you do this again, then you're in trouble. And I'm thinking, well, this is really weak. Well, they did do it again, and they should be in trouble. And um, so to that point, we'll see. He he certainly came back with guns blazing in the Houston thing. And and uh, even if the Sox transgressions aren't as bad as the Houston thing, the fact that they repeat offenders, I would think that would be worked against them. And then I start to think about Hein Bloom, and you got Mookie Betts. You know, whether you're going to sign him long term or you're going to trade him with all this turmoil, would it make it a little bit easier to go into kind of a little mini rebuild and, and trade Mookie bets now? Yeah, you bring up good points about, you know, the bloom, you know, this this could be in a way liberating for him because a little less pressure. And if they, if they get the kind of sanctions that Houston got, you know, one and two draft picks the next two years, I mean, it's going to be impossible to do with the things they want to do. And they're, they're pretty depleted with the farm system as is the way Dombrowski uh, ignored it and traded away the people and didn't replenish it. So um, this is a lot for, for Heim Bloom to do. Uh, but uh, yours is a good point uh, that, that, that could be a little bit liberating for him to, uh, to do a reset here. You know, it's amazing is Boston's one of the great sports towns we have in this country. I got a lot of family in Boston and all the winning, the Super Bowls, the world series, whether it's Stanley Cup or it's the NBA final wins. But right now it's kind of crazy because is Tom Brady out? Is he not going to be the quarterback anymore? What's happening with the Red Sox? It's been a wild time for you guys in Boston recently. Yeah, a lot of uh, you know the headlines aren't as good and uh, not quite as much chest thumping around here these days. So it doesn't mean they can't turn it around. There's still a lot of star power here, a lot of good teams, but certainly uh, – you know, going back since the Patriots won it, you know, a year ago, uh, things have not played out in a normal duck boat fashion for them. Do you think Brady will be the quarterback going into next season? I guess, given you know, gun to my head, fifty-fifty, I'd probably say yes. That nothing changes, and they know they can beat these bums in the AFC East just showing up uh, with a forty-three-year-old quarterback. So, I think certainly if he'll go on a year-to-year or one-year thing, that would be the way to go. But if he digs in and wants two, three years and Bill won't do it, I would understand that. And then it gets into the showdown with the owner and the coach and all that sort of thing, which would be great theater for us. 
Dan, I tell you, you've had a wonderful career. I've always loved reading you. A lot of respect. Thank you so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. And uh, you're going to have a lot to write about the next couple weeks. Yeah, it never stops around here. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Dan. Dan Chaudhessy from the Boston Globe, one of the top columnists. Yeah, he was. um... So remember, we were on this on Monday. And as he said, he was writing about it on Tuesday. Cora's got to go. I mean, do we all get what's going on here? You've got teams firing managers three weeks before spring training. This is unprecedented. You know, one of the things I had in my little speech last night as the MC of the hot stove dinner was we need to get back to values. This is after I made my jokes. I said, we need to get back to professionalism. You know, one of the reasons why these guys are out in Houston is because of Brandon Taubman's situation, you remember, in the ALCS. And you have these employees, and I was I was speaking yesterday with someone who works in Major League Baseball for another organization and knows people inside the Everybody was miserable. It was a horrible place to work. They treated their employees like dirt. So that's why I was saying last night, and I'm going to say to you, I, I, I said, the game's bigger than anybody. The game, is, the game will move on. The game will move on despite who you are. And we need to get back to treating people with respect, professionalism, and this is just not, I'm talking about when the media comes in the clubhouse. I'm talking about your own employees. You know what? Winning is key, but you can't sacrifice your soul for it. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to get burned. They got to a point to where the Astros thought everybody was irrelevant except their smart front office guys. And how's that working for them? You now have a World Series that's tainted. Whether you like it or not, you get to keep those rings, you get to keep the banner, you get to keep the trophy, but there's a huge asterisk, whether you like it or not. Let me ask my, my, my wannabe Astro fan producer, the man who, who, who read Astro Ball and was totally in love with Jeffrey Lunau, that would be one Commander Cody, uh, do you still see 2017 as a great year for the Astros? Or is this tainted and have an asterisk by it? The latter. I think it's tainted and has the asterisk by it. I think that this is a, a bad look. Uh, what Luno did with the Astros building them into the powerhouse they became, taking them from losing 100 games three years in a row to winning 100 games three years in a row, being in the World Series two out of three years, winning it once, losing an ALCS last year to the Red Sox, who are now engulfed in this scandal. Uh, it, it's it's a bad look. I don't think I don't think he gets another job in baseball. I think AJ Hinch does. He's well well liked in baseball. I and I like again. I mentioned this a few times. The way he got in front of it with the Brandon Tobin situation being the face of that whole thing, this speaking out and saying how you shouldn't be afraid to come into our clubhouse ever, and how he handled his release from the Astros with his his statement was was the way you do it. And where you saw Cora and Luno do the complete opposite, where Cora never really said, you know, Cora was better, he, he, but he didn't say sorry, and Luno pretty much threw Cora under the bus. 
I don't think he gets another job, and I think yes, uh, absolutely. The 2017 World Series is tainted, though. I think they should get they should vacate it, as a lot of people are saying. I don't think that's possible because you have to rewrite a whole chapter of history in Major League Baseball, and that's there's so much to do with that. It did fracture a lot of legacies, like Hugh Darvish and Clayton Kershaw, that whole Dodgers team, the Yankees who lost in the ALCS, the teams they played during the regular season. There's a lot of people who, who are affected. I, I think even this even taints, even though we looked at his splits, his splits, I still think this affects um, Jose Altuve a little bit, who won the batting title and the AL MVP that year. Aaron Judge actually had a tweet saying, congratulations to you, to Jose Altuve when he won the MVP. Congrats could have happened to a better guy. Uh, Judge went back and has uh, deleted that tweet that he sent to Altuve after he beat him up for the MVP in 2017. Yeah, players are pissed. I'm telling you right now. They're not happy. And I know there's some people that go like, oh, Mike Fires, he shouldn't have said that. He's a rat. Nah, nah. No, players are angry. You alter lives. You alter careers. Case in point, if you knew the Astros were cheating and you're a, a writer who had a vote for MVP, would you have voted? How many people voted for Altuve now wouldn't vote for Altuve? And that means Aaron Judge would now be an MVP. And now Aaron Judge, as you heard from David Forrest, general manager of the A's, that when you go into arbitration and you got a guy that's won MVP, Cy Young, you make more money. So did their cheating affect Aaron Judge not only being an MVP, which changes your career, but also could have made more? You've cost him money. You just can't think about this as wins and losses, which that's a major part. But you also got to think how this affects everybody around you. You know, young pitchers that the that the Astros lit up, did they get sent back down, never to be called up again? There's so many layers of how cheating is just bad, horrible for the game. Alex Jensen has put on Twitter. He appreciates you having his back after I called him a scumbag. He texted me because he was listening live when you said that. Did I call him a scumbag? You did. Can I re- can I retweet back at him? I was misquoted. Yeah, you can defend it however you want. You can throw uh, you can throw lower level employees under the bus like myself if you really want. Oh to. wow, I'm Jeffrey Lu- <laughs> I'm, I, I'm Jeffrey Lou now now. By the way, Altuve got 27 of the possible 37 first place votes in 2017. Judge got two, and Jose Ramirez, who actually had a really good year that year, got one first place vote. Altuve okay, so, won. So, case in point, if we could go, Commander, if we could go find out who all had the vote, I'm sure we'd know some of the people, and bring them on and say, if you knew about what was going on then. Would you change your vote? Because Altuve had a phenomenal year. Altuve actually was better on the road. His batting average was 70 points higher on the road. He was better on the road than at home. We've established that. But would you still vote for Altuve over Aaron Judge, knowing what you know now? And if the answer is, no, I would not vote for Jose Altuve, well, you've altered people's lives. 
You've altered by by this cheating. You've altered lives, because now Altuve wouldn't be the MVP. Judge would. It's just it's it's a bad bad look for the game. And I got people hitting me up on Twitter right now at Townsend Radio, talking about yeah, there's an asterisk, and that's what you don't want in the game. You can't have that. You just can't have that. And you know what? I now remember what I wanted to talk about. Coming up, why there needs to be more than just three. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Ah. We'll have some more Boston going on. Lou Marloni coming up here, 310, former Red Sox and uh, host on WEEI. We got to get into the players. And then the ultimate player, Ray Fossey at 330. Players can't, players can't get away with this. The more I think about it, they just can't. I don't know exactly. I mean, that's something maybe we can put our minds together and kind of figure out what, because you, you can't, you just can't suspend all the players at once. You're not, it's, that's not going to happen. But that's, if you want to really stop this, people got, people have to be punished. Because you're only, you're only punishing old guys. You're not punishing the players. You think the players feel bad for A.J. Hinch? Maybe, maybe not. There might be players on that Astros team that don't even like A.J. Hinch. They got good riddance. You know, a lot of those Astros players weren't thrilled about the Brandon Taubman thing. Remember, that was assistant GM. Essentially looking at women and yelling at them. And we knew it was all about domestic violence. You think Verlander liked going home and having to deal with that? You think any of those guys who had to go home and have their wives, girlfriends? You know, the people we know at the Astros say that that was really bad. Nobody was happy. Nobody. Because these players don't care about some, some Ivy League guy who's the assistant general manager. You think if I'm Justin Verlander, I want that. I want. I, I have to. I have to address the media and talk about this because of this twerp. But the players, in the end, they're the ones that implemented it. They're the ones that used it. If they just get away clean, you're essentially just forcing front office people and I guess saying the manager to make sure it doesn't happen. But these guys are creative. You have that Tim Kirchin cut. Here's Tim Kirchin talking about younger people in baseball and they don't have a problem trying to skate the rules. I was absolutely stunned because I did not see that coming. And the people that I talked to today did not see that coming either. 
But I think there's a bigger point to be made here that a veteran executive told me today that our new age GMs and our new age executives all have this feeling like we're smarter than everyone else. We're going to find a different way to do things. We're going to outsmart the other teams. And this way, we're going to do it using technology. And that is a dangerous situation when you get a bunch of people into the game who honestly believe they've figured things out that nobody else has ever thought of. They just don't realize you can't do things like this and get away with it. This isn't just the Astros. Granted, they went way beyond anybody else. But it's a, it's a Major League Baseball issue that our new age executives really believe they're smarter than everyone else. And look, look what we can do here. It's a very dangerous proposition. And there's more teams. Rumors about the Yankees. Rumors about the Dodgers. That may be one of the reasons. Why. Now, now the commissioner put the gag order on everybody. But, you know, if the Dodgers, because remember what the Astro, Astros people said to Major League Baseball. Other teams are doing it, too. And that's the scary thing. How many? I mean, there's only 30 teams. Is it 10% of your league? Is it 15? Is it 20? Hell, is it 50? That gets scary. Now, there's another way to look at this, which I think is interesting. And driving around yesterday... Listening to MLB radio, Ryan Spielborg, who we had on, when do we have him on? Uh, Spielborg was on last Friday. Is yeah, it, Friday. Is there an S on the there's, end of his name? There's an S at the end, yes. So, when, he, he was what? When? Uh, last Friday. Last Friday. He said on Inside Pitch, why not just let everybody let everybody do it? And deal with it. Let everybody do it. It's your job to not get it's your job to keep the other teams from figuring it out. Then it wouldn't be cheating. Then you wouldn't have these problems. You wouldn't have being people getting fired. You're 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 in an age of technology. If they're they're if they're picking your signs, that's on you. What do you think about that? I thought that was kind of an interesting way to look at it. This is coming from a former player. Yeah, it's interesting, but I don't think it'll ever happen because all the old heads in baseball are, will never want that. Just like you know, a lot of guys aren't into the technology and Statcast and all the new stuff that's TrackMan and Rapsodo. Like a lot of guys don't like the new technology. I think there's going to be, there will always be a fight back from but, the but, old but, guard. But, but, but when you say that, yeah, that's like broadcasters and writers. There, there's. It's hard to believe there's really anybody working in baseball, whether it's front office or it's coaching, who is not into analytics. Yeah, I just think that the the sign stealing thing, letting everyone do it, that comes down to a, a code of like a moral ethics. Like there's more of ethics than anything. Like I don't know, be be genuine about it and like try to win the right way. But obviously, we're seeing that that's not really the case anymore. They don't care, as Tim Kirchin said. This younger generation, they don't care. I mean. Everyone always said about Jeffrey Lunau that it was always – he put winning above everything else. The culture in there wasn't very good. I mean, 
you saw like a lot of players weren't happy. Like Justin Verlander was one of the most outspoken people when they when they got uh, Roberto Azuna from the Blue Jays after he was suspended for seventy five games for domestic violence. Ver- Verlander was very outspoken about it, but Luno val- valued winning over the culture that he was creating there, and that's one of the reasons. One of the reasons why I don't think he'll get a job again is after all this stuff came out. You know, one thing, and we talked to Dan Shaughnessy about it. You know when you take a job and you think the job's going to be better? Luckily for me, that's worked for me here with A's Cast and A's Cast Live. But sometimes you take a job and you get there and you realize you're worse off. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, quickly, before we get to so we'll do buying, buying or selling early today. If you could ask Heim Bloom. Chief Baseball Operator. Is that what it is? Chief Baseball? CBO. Chief Baseball Operator. Is that what his title is? Chief Baseball Officer. Officer. Would you go back to Tampa right now if you could? He's already disliked in Boston. You had to fire your manager. You're going to have to trade one of the best players the Red Sox have ever had. Life was just a lot simpler in Tampa Bay. You know, you, oh, you get the big-time job, you get more money, you get to spend more money. It doesn't look like he's there to spend more money. It looks like he's there to shed payroll. And that's not what Red's fa- Red Sox fans are going to want to deal with. I wonder if you could ask him, get a few beers in him, if you could go back to Tampa right now, would you? He's got to go find a manager for the start of the season. He may not find one. Can you imagine hiring a manager in the middle of spring training? Pretty crazy. And we'll ask, we'll, 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 I, I got to ask that question to Lou Merloni. You think if secretly you could talk to him, would he, would he want to go back to Tampa and go back to where he has stability? All right, let's do buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Don't, 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 don't. Well, we're going to start with the uh, a lot of the stuff we talked about already, and uh, I wasn't planning on it, but we did already. But uh, first of all, we'll start with the uh, the first team that got caught in this because nothing, nothing's come out yet about the uh, Red Sox. So. In the wake of the cheating scandal, we've seen a lot of people big mad about the situation. I like using the word big mad. The Dodgers feel like they were cheated, and the legacies of Hugh Darvish and Clayton Kershaw were tarnished. The Yankees feel like they were cheated. CZ Sabathia echoed those same feelings this morning uh, when he was on, I want to say, or last night when he was on Showtime around the NFL, and he said that he wouldn't be mad if the commissioner decided to vacate the World Astros 
2017 World Series title. Remember, USC had their 2004 national title in football vacated. Louisville lost their 2013 national title in college basketball. UMass was stripped of their final four appearance in 1996, all because of Marcus Camby and uh, John Calipari. And this would, how would this affect Major League Baseball? So buying or selling, the Astros should be stripped of the 2017 World Series title. For lack of institutional control, as they like to say in college football and basketball? Yeah. Hmm. I really have to think about that. The ramifications in pro sports of saying Tom Brady or the Patriots have cheated, we take your Super Bowl away. Well, that's never going to happen. They love Brady too much. I mean, think about that. I mean, the Astros have one World Series title. You'd be stripping them of their one World Series title. That's pretty heavy stuff. Uh, Jason Stark wrote a good article in The Athletic today talking about how you can't do it because it changes the history of baseball from so many different angles. And I agree with him. You can't do it because you have to rewrite history for that year and going forward. Well, you just you say a team won the World Series, but they got caught cheating, so we stripped them of their title. Or you, how does a, that change history? Or it's just an asterisk, or you know, it's tainted when you talk about it too. Kind of like with bonds. And the I got th- and- you know what? Let's save that. I got to think about that because you know what? We should have some time to think about that because if the Red Sox get sanctioned, you'd have back-to-back years of stripping the World Series champion of their title. Yeah, so we got to wait wait on that. By the way, you should mention that uh, we won't be on Friday. We're going to do a special, what is it, special podcast? We'll do a special podcast tomorrow that will run for a couple days because uh, you're going to Mexico. Yeah, i got a trip planned. I can't wait. So, in 2017, not only did the Astros win the World Series, but Jose Atuve took home a major award and not the batting title. Well, that was one of them, but it's not the major award. He won the 2017 AL MVP over Rookie of the Year, Aaron Judge. We've seen this, we've seen, we've been over this before, but the circumstances are now different. Altuve hit 346 with 24 homers, 81 RBIs, and an OPS plus of 160. Now, at home, he only hit 311 with 9 homers and 35 RBIs. And on the road, he hit 15 home runs, drove in 46, and hit an incredible 381. Now, Aaron Judge that year hit 284, 52 home runs, which was then the rookie the rookie record for home runs and 114 RBIs. He also led the league in walks and strikeouts. Now, this is what Judge tweeted that was deleted. MVP. Nobody more deserving than you. Congrats on an unforgettable 2017 at Jose Altuve 27. That's what he tweeted. Now he's deleted it. Remember, Reggie Bush had to give back his Heisman Trophy from that 04 USC thing where he took the money from the agent. So buying or selling Jose Altuve should be stripped of his 2017 AL MVP award. I'm selling that. His road numbers are so incredible that. Agree. When your road numbers are better than your home numbers. Now, if you flipped it. If he hits 70 points higher at home yeah. than on the road, we may have a discussion. But what was it, 70 points? Yeah, 70. His batting average was 70 points higher on the road. I, I, I'm, I'm selling. So uh, High and Bloom took the Red Sox job in October tw- on October 28th of 2019. That was about three months ago. Since then, uh, he has decided what to do with Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., and other players, uh, David Price, Nathan Avoldi. Get the team under the luxury tax, and now having to find a manager three weeks before spring training. Buying or selling high in bloom made a mistake going to Boston. Uh, I am buying. Because you know what's going to happen is time's going to go there, shed, shed some payroll. Well, hell, if they get if they get what the Astros got, 
First, second round gone this year. First, second round gone next year. I could see Heim at some point in the near future being a fall guy and the Red Sox canning him and hitting the full reset button with general manager, manager, the whole thing just starting anew. Because so, Hein Bloom is now tied to this. Oh, absolutely. And this what he what decision he makes going forward is going to be very big in the part of what the what the Red Sox do going forward in the 2020s. Last one for bring Lou on. I don't, okay, we'll do this one. As mentioned before, the Red Sox need a manager. They can go several different directions with the hire. They can look within and hire someone like Ron Ranicki or MLB Network's Mike Lowell, who's a former Red Sox and World Series champion. Bruce Boats, already said he wasn't interested. Mark Kotze, Eduardo Perez. When did he say he wasn't interested? Someone had that out earlier that said he wasn't he wasn't interested in either job, Houston or Boston. He's, he isn't thinking about it. Mark Kotze, Eduardo Perez. I, 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 I would give him a call. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sam Fold, Eric Chavez are, have been listed as potential candidates. The other internal candidate would be the captain, Jason Veritek. Veritek won two World Series titles. Jeter? You're going to have the captain be the... Caught four no-hitters and hit 193 career home runs with the Red Sox. Now, Veritek is currently a special assistant to CBO, Chief Baseball Officer, high in bloom. So buying or selling Jason Veritek, the captain, will be the next manager of the Boston Red Sox. I will buy that, and then I'm telling you all to bet the under on their win total. All right. Well, let me give me a second to call Lou here. The other, the other one was, I'll just ask you, buying or selling, Carlos Beltran will still be a Hall of Famer. I'm now selling that. This is going to be, you know, the joke. You know what the joke is out there right now that that Carlos Beltran's. You know, I'm going to save this for Lou. There's a joke going on right now about Carlos Beltran, and I'll tell you this: the you know the, these these over and unders for season win totals come out early and earlier every single year. There's a couple of them I've just I've been looking at it. Red Sox 89, Astros 97. I just I'm not seeing I just I teams usually don't fare well under great turmoil. And there's gonna be great turmoil around these two teams. And you could be making it three. If Beltron doesn't survive, can you imagine that? Just imagine this. We could have three teams who don't have a manager heading into spring training. That's crazy. That's absolutely, it's a nut house. That has never happened before. Let alone two teams don't have a manager heading into spring training. If the Mets end up making a move and that's three, this is crazy. Do we have Lou? We have Lou. Lou, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you? Uh, just trying to get through this madness that's going on in baseball. That I actually just heard a joke. They said that uh, Carlos Beltran's punishment is that he has to manage the Mets. I actually thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but I got to tell you – you know, you've covered this game. You've played this game. Let's just say something happens with Beltron. To say that we're going to spring training with three of our teams, don't have a manager, that's just insanity. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. It's 
it's such a different game today, you know, when you start thinking, you know, you got analytics and everyone's trying to find that slight edge. And then when technology is introduced, you know, you're always trying to find an edge. We know that's just baseball, whether it's tipping pitches, you know, people scuffing baseballs in the past or stealing signs organically, right? And with technology, it just it got to the point where it got too far. I think you had some people, you know, obviously Alex included and you saw what happened down there in Houston that just got put winning ahead of all else. You know what I mean? And got kind of caught up in all that. Like we need to win, we need to win. We can execute this, we can use this and, and, and gain an edge. And it's just it's unfortunate because I think Alex Core is a very good guy. And so was an AJ Hinch. And and I don't know about if Beltran's situation is gonna be or not, but now they're gonna be out of the game for a while. Yeah, and, and, and we've talked so much about how this affects so many different players. You know, it can affect a, a guy that got roughed up by the Astros, it was sent down, never got to the big leagues again, or you can look at even something bigger. Jose Altuve won the MVP in 2017. How would the voters change? Would Aaron Judge now get more of the votes and boy, how how does that change Aaron Judge's life? That he's now an MVP, and he goes into arbitration as an MVP. He makes more money. I mean, there's so many different ways, and I think you understand that as much as anybody as a former as a former player. It, it affects so many different people, so many different ways, and it affects the game money wise too. Well, I've always said it. This this is um, the technology and the steel signing, and you know the pitchers today are the clean players during the steroid era. And it's very similar to what you were just talking about. You know, there'd be guys that myself coming up to the minor leagues, 285, five, six home runs, just, you know, doing my thing. And guys that are very similar to me, next thing you know, they're popping 30 bombs a year and they're getting four or five-year deals. So it's it's very similar, right? Like, you know, so um, you're right. And, and this is a way to, you know, AJ is gone. Alex is gone. People aren't happy with, everything that's been going on around them with core, maybe masterminding it and, and AJ allowing it as a manager, because it's easier to just take one guy out of the equation and say they were the bad guys. Because I don't know if Houston, you know, wants to look at Altuve that way. The Red Sox want to look at Mookie that way. And, and now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you're looking at the players saying, what's different with them? They, they cut the free pass in this one. Um, but that's the way Manfred sort of set it up, right? Manager, GM, those are the guys you want to come down on. Yeah, it's like they cut off the head of the snake, but, you know, there's all this body there, and I just, I don't know how you would implement, like, who gets what? You know, guy's banging on the trash can. How many games does he get suspended versus the guy that uh, that's up at the plate? Have you even thought about this, how you would even discipline players? No, and that's the tough part, but I think, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if after this Red Sox investigation – that Manfred sort of leaves it a little bit more vague to give him a little bit more control. We've seen it in the NFL, right? Article 46 with Roger Goodell. It's so vague that he can basically do what he wants. So I think, you know, instead of limiting to just managers and general managers, maybe in the future he starts looking at it and saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper, and if I, if I get players, then I'm going to get players. Now he'll have a fight in his hand, MLBPA, but I wouldn't be shocked if he broadens it a little bit. You know, when, when, when I start thinking about Hein Bloom, you know, we saw it with Andrew Friedman. He's <laughs> successful in Tampa. He goes to L.A., now has more money. And I'm sure Hein Bloom kind of thought the situation he was getting, big market, more money to play with. 
I mean, this he hasn't even been the the, the CBO uh, running the show for a regular season game. He's had to fire his manager. He's has to talk about trading his best player. You think if Heimbloom could do it all over again, he would be like, I, I wish I was still in Tampa. Yeah, you know, I still think he welcomes the challenge. It's still a big job for him, but it is funny because he comes to Boston with a 230 whatever it is million dollar payroll, and he might actually have more financial restrictions with this club, you know, <laughs> because they they don't want to spend 10 more million. You know, they don't. So it, it's kind of a strange thing. But you see him in his press conference today, and you have to wonder that, like, good God, this guy's three weeks away from camp. He doesn't have a manager. Um, did he sign up for this? You know, uh, he, he doesn't really, with the big payroll, he doesn't have any money to spend. It's already on the roster. So it's uh, it's a tough spot for him, but he's a pretty impressive guy. So I think uh, we'll see how he handles this challenge. How will the fan base react if Mookie Betts is traded? You know, I obviously I don't think they're going to be happy. You're the Bucks and Red Sox. You have the highest payroll in baseball. How do you let one of arguably the top three players, all-around players in the game, walk? Um, you know, the flip side is is that, you know, Mookie Betts, if, if, if you make him a solid offer and he just wants to get the free agent, you know, if the Red Sox lose the player in this offseason, next offseason, I should say, you'll get a fifth-round draft pick for him. And, and that is, that's even worse. The same people, I think, right now that don't want them to trade Mookie will be upset at the Red Sox if they let him walk for a fifth-round pick that they didn't trade Mookie before. That's kind of just the way it works. Yeah, it's not easy for Bloom, And I'm going to put you in Bloom's no. shoes right now. All right, you need a manager. Do you go with a stopgap guy, someone that's just going to come in and hopefully give you some stability, get spring training rolling, and it's going to maybe just be a one-year deal, kind of a veteran manager that's been around who's out there? Or do you go the other way and you do a full-on search and you get a guy who you think is going to be lo- – you get a long-term guy. You're going to have to rush to get him done, but you go for the long, long-term long hire right now. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd go for the long-term hire right now. I just I, I think that's something you got to put more thought into. You want to look at the pool. You want to have some time to, to do the interview process. Take your time to get the right guy. Um, you know, as far as that veteran presence for a year, the first guy that jumps up to me is Boach, you know, Bruce Boachy. And he's a guy that comes in with respect. But I do think that it's got to be somebody like that if that's kind of where you go outside the organization. A lot of the up-and-coming guys, like Eddie Perez and, and Hanley Mullins, it's, I don't think you dive into that right now. You want to interview and make sure you've got the right guy. The problem that Bloom has as far as internal goes, don't you have to wait for the investigation to come out? God forbid you you promote somebody to the manager's office and his name is all over the report in Boston. Now you got to make another move. So I think you try to find stability um, ultimately within the organization, you know, which is difficult because you look at your own staff and say, well, did you know, you know, I mean, you were right next to Alex the whole time. Were you aware? That's why I think his job right now is pretty difficult. Wow. Lou, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. There's an investigation going on. If you said, "Oh, this guy's our new manager," and then he's all over the report, you got to fire him, and you you essentially fire two managers in a span of what a month or whatever will be. That'd be, I mean, you think this is crazy? That'd even take it even even to a different wing in the nut house. Yeah, I and mean, listen, Ron Renicky is an obvious choice, right? I mean, he's managed before in the big leagues. He's very knowledgeable. He's a good baseball man, you know. And I would say, you know, you put a guy like Jack Ver- Jason Veritek as his bench coach. 
But again, I, I don't know. I don't know what the investigation says. You know, I like to think that, you know, Ron's not mentioned in it, but he was his bench coach. So it's just the whole thing of clean slate moving forward. And this is where I think they have to decide whether that's the reason. Do they want an internal candidate for that? But you do need some people familiar with this ball club, don't you? You're three weeks away. I just, it's, it's, it's great. You know, I think about WEEI and sports talk in Boston. You got Tom Brady, whether he's coming back, you got Alex Cora being fired. <laughs> this is like a gift for you guys. I mean, I, I, I'm very lucky. I felt like it's been a gift now for years. I mean, whether it's teams being successful or different controversies and, you know, going on for years here. So it's, uh, there's definitely a lot to talk about. I thought we were going to be talking about Brady for three straight months, you know, and then something like this happened. So it's been a nice break from it. Hey, Lou, appreciate the time, and uh, we'll be checking back with you as this drama unfolds. All right, sounds good. Anytime. Thank you. He made a really, really good point, which obviously the commander doesn't have on the rundown. Why didn't you have that point? Because I thought they were going to hire Veritech. He's a special assistant to the GM. And it's former. That's one of Lou's former teammates. I thought Veritech would be the obvious guy behind my guy, Ron Renicky. But he's a bench coach, so they can't hire him. I mean, can you imagine if they hire Renicky and then the report comes out in spring training how Renicky was like how Alex Cora was in Houston – and then already you fire, I don't even know, what's the date today? Today's January 15th. So January 15th, you fire a manager. Uh, so he was fired yesterday, January 14th. And let's say February 14th, you can now got to fire the guy that you just hired. Uh, hey, uh, great to be with you. Spring training here on WEI. Well, breaking news, the Red Sox just fired Ron Renneke. Uh Second manager fired in a month. So maybe we'll then all of a sudden that's just when Jason Veritek probably takes over. And Veritek takes over. They take an absolute dive, and you're firing him at the end of the season. Or what if they hire him and he's somehow involved? And it's like, oh, boy, he's just going down a whole rabbit hole and, and just a loophole of disaster in Boston and that, you, ton, but, that but, tunnel riot. But, yeah, but do, do you see now why when you cheat and you do stuff like this, it literally destroys things? I mean your credibility. You're 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 you know. You're saying it's all about winning, and now I mean, winning around chaos. It's chaos. It's so hard to believe. I mean, were these updated win totals? Are these updated? Are they as of today? Yeah, that's from Caesars, the Caesars Sportsbook in Vegas. I mean, I can't believe you're going into. A season with no manager, and the Astros is still 97. I mean, they're still looking at talent, but. Well, according to the Caesars, the Caesars Sportsbook, uh, the guy that does it, I'm trying to find his name because it was in the article I read earlier today. Um, he said that the only reason they were initially 97 and a half, and they took off the half game. For a the half fire, game? The half game for the firing for the of manager? AJ Hinch, yeah. I'm trying to find the guy's name in the article. His name is um, Jeff Davis. Jeff Davis, Caesars director of trading, Jeff Davis said he only, he subtracted only half a win for the unusual winner for the Astros. So he probably did the same thing for the Red Sox. Uh, I didn't say anything about the Red Sox. It's just mainly, it was mainly Red Sox about- is at eighty nine. Let me give you some low ones. Please start with the Orioles. The Orioles. Where are the Orioles? 
The Orioles win total this year, you can bet over and under, is 55 and a half. Uh, also, same as the, there's another team. Detroit Tigers, 55 and a half. Those are two of the most legendary teams in baseball when you think of history. 55 and a half. That's how bad Vegas thinks the Orioles and the Tigers are going to be. I, I'm going to take the over on Detroit. I think they got some young talent coming up that might help them. I mean, you can't be as bad as you were last year. You lost 114 games. Marlins, 63 and a half. Donnie Baseball is not having a good run down there. Mariners, 67 and a half. I didn't even look to see what my Pirates, what their win total is. Your Pirates are 70 and a half. I'll take that. That's more than last year. It's more than last year. San Francisco Giants. 71? 71. I think their projection last year was 73, so it's under, and they won, what, 79 games last year, I think? 78? You're going to get to a point with the Giants. You're going to go back to the all-star break of 2016. They had the best record in baseball, and then they took a nosedive. Since the all-star break of uh, 2016, there's something, they're close to 80 games under 500. Well, we had Bochon. He even mentioned it. He said, uh, "Been rough three years." He goes. He talked about the A's and Bob Melvin. He goes, "You know, you got to look what I've been through the last three years." It's like, oh wow. I mean, I mean, you were really bad the last couple of years, and then they went on. The, they were trending towards being a really bad team again last year. Then they went on that incredible run in July, where it got them right back in the thick of the uh, NL wildcard race, and then they didn't trade Madison Bumgarner, which ultimately might hurt them going into the future because they didn't pick up any assets. But and then they, by the way, they they DFA'd. Zach Cozart, and then they put him on uh, unconditional release waivers. So you you pick him up, and you're supposed to pay him the tw- almost thirteen million dollars, and you cut him already. So they got the they did get the number one over the, the number fifteen pick in the draft last year from the Angels. But um, very interesting offseason so far for the team across the bay. Dodgers ninety nine ninety nine. Do you go with the? Are they going to win on? If the Giants are bad. People, for some reason, think the Padres are going to be better, but we know how <laughs> What that... is it, 83? Yeah, we had 83. We, we know how that la- ends. When was the last time they won 83 games? I'll look it up. Well, yeah, when was the last time they'd been 500? And what do they got the rock pile at? I, I think 2010 was, because that was the year they, went, they were almost in the division title, right? So they lost in the Rocky, last day. So, so they, Vegas has Rockies at 74. Is that with or without Arenado? D- D-backs at 83. Yeah, how about that? The news on Arnau heating up where they're changing names between the Cardinals and the Rockies. Uh, by the way, last time, um, 2010, when they won 90 and 72. The last time they won 80 games, 2010. Last time they won more than 77 games, well, 2014 they won 77 games. Since then, 74, 68, 71, 66, 70 for your Padres. Well, not your Padres. Not my Padres. The people, the fans listening. That it's are, my, my brother's Padres. Uh, as uh, Ted Leitner would say, my Padres, or when they're losing, your Padres. <laughs> they're, 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 they're Bob Townsend's Padres. Special assistant to the GM of the Padres? He's a special assistant to somebody. So if, if, if we, get, we get great Padre knowledge. Because my brother is a member at San Diego Country Club, and a bunch of the front office for the Padres are members at the San Diego Country Club. So my bro- and my brother, are, well, and you know who else my brother knows? The man who's being honored, Grady Fuson. 
Grady's, it- Grady's a member there. So Grady, Grady plays uh, his assistant to Billy Bean and David Forrest. Uh, Grady's, Grady's and Bob Melvin just, God, what was that honor? I have it in my email here. I'll pull it up in a yeah, second. Yeah, they're, they're being honored. They just got something. By the way, on this date in 2015. But that's how we get our Padre knowledge is because my brother is a special assistant to somebody in the Padres organization. Uh, on this date in 2015. Al- al- allegedly. On this date in 2015, the 49ers hired the greatest head coach in the history of football. We're going to run it and throw a little bit. The great Jim Tom Sula. Uh. Uh, by the way, Bob and, and Grady. I don't know the were, facts. Bob and Grady were honored by baseball Professional Baseball Scouts Foundation at, at the Spirit of the Game Awards dinner the other night. So that's that's where they were honored. Somebody's coming down my road about Miguel Tejada over Campy. Campy was terrific. Miguel Tejada was an MVP. Says, um, Tejada over Capanaris, really? Career hits leader, league leader, stolen bases, three World Series? I, I understand all that. Miguel Tejada was a primetime middle of the order. A lot of the ones I saw, people weren't happy if you picked um, Sal Bando over Eric Chavez. There was a lot of people. The captain? Of, a lot of people were big mad over that one. Oh, were they really? You picking the captain over Chavez. I, I agree with you. I think, I mean, Sal was part of World Series teams. So, yeah, if you're going to play the Capanaris role on me, then I, I got to play the Sal Bando on you. Do we have the face of the franchise? Two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, the face, Ray Fossey, joins us every Wednesday. How are you, Foss? You know what, Tony? I am great because it's just another week closer to the wonderful baseball season and can't wait to get going. So it's great. So, Fossey, how many times in your career did you go into spring training and not have a manager? (laughs) <laughs> not once my friend <laughs> not once although when um i think alvin dark might have been hired very very late uh before 74 all indications of course when we showed up he was managing so it it wasn't like this current situation that i'm sure you're referencing right now but uh no it's it's difficult because you know everything is planned the off season and you go to spring training uh bench coaches usually are the ones that organized spring training so nobody's standing around and the manager meets with the media and you know all these things but man you know you've got to have somebody and unfortunately uh, a couple of teams right now don't have one i mean and if and if some people think carlos beltran's not going to survive this you could have three (laughs) you could have three teams that legitly don't have a manager going into spring training Uh, you know the manager sets the tone for the year foss i just i I can't imagine I can't imagine there's just so much negativity around these franchises right now. And usually when there's that kind of negativity, teams don't play as well. You know, I agree with you on that. And I'll be honest with you. um, When, when the Houston Astros, and again, the commissioner of baseball laid down the hammer. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the, the punishment needs to be severe enough. So, that perhaps in the future it would deter anybody from doing the same thing. And I think he obviously did that. And, and you know, what has transpired since then with the firing of A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luno, then, you know, things are continuing. And who knows with the Cora deal, what's going to happen with the Red Sox. But, you know, the, the, the one thing that I think when the players were granted immunity, 
if I'm a player in the Houston Astros and I was part of this system, I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, because of what I did, the manager's fired, the general manager's fired, a lot of suspicion is going to be ongoing uh, with, with this team for a long time. So, you know, on one side, if I know I'm granted immunity, I could say anything I want to say, you know, and uh, I, I just think to some degree, at least if you're going to talk to these guys, I don't know what the circumstances were, but if they were told up front, hey, you're not going to be punished, please tell us the truth. If you're not under oath and that statement is not made, you know, who knows what would have been said. But uh, we don't know. All I know is the commissioner has the power to do what he did. He did it. And I think right now baseball is trying to get back to the point of being a level playing field. And the commissioner of baseball seems to at least started that right now. What do you think about the players? Do you think they should get away with it? Well, that's why I think to some degree, no. But I will say, even though they may not be punished by the commissioner, you think about a player on right now, the Houston Astros, we do not know what's going to happen with the Red Sox. But let's take, for example, the Astros. Players going to arbitration. Players soon to be free agents. Uh, How is that going to affect them? Let's say an arbitration case has not been heard and you have a player who's looking for several million more than say what the club has offered you know as those that three panel arbitration do they say did you amass these numbers because you knew the pitches that were coming so you know i think if i were a player now uh, and i had an arbitration case i would want to settle as quickly as possible so that i do not have to be subjected to any sort of things that might transpire in an arbitration case which you know uh, that's going to be the tough part. But uh, I, I still think that on one hand, the players who were involved, and if A.J. Hinch twice took a hammer to a monitor, but yet they continued, I think at that point the manager doing that excessively, if he did that, it should have been said, enough is enough, guys. Let's play this game the right way. And if they continued, they're basically snubbing their nose at the manager who is saying, let's, let's stop it. And, you know, a manager can only do so much. And um, who knows what might have been happening. Um, but the manager and the general manager definitely have egg on the face right now. And the owner immediately, you know, I'll be honest with you, when, when I heard of the suspension, I said, well, you know, that's going to be tough on the Astros. But then within the hour, their owner fired both of them because I heard that he was going to start with a clean slate. I thought he was talking more about the assistant GM from the playoffs. I didn't know until I read almost immediately that uh, Hinch and Luno had been fired. If you were in charge of either organization, would you, A, go find somebody right away that can give you stability, a veteran-type guy that's, that's out on the market, or, B, do you do a traditional search and try and find someone you think is the long-term answer? I think they need to do something like uh, hire the bench coach <laughs> because internally, uh, I think it would be tough for a manager. And I know some managers want to get a job, but there are also some managers are going to say, no, I'm not going to take a job. And I think the latter part of what I just said would be more truthful. So if you take somebody within the organization as, as almost like, let's get through this 2020 season and then maybe, you know, give the guy a one-year deal. If he does well, hey, maybe he gets an extension 
But if not, then at that point, maybe you can say, okay, we've cleared up our mess. Now we can go out on the market and try to find a bona fide manager if the one we use for 2020 doesn't work out uh, or, or maybe somebody's willing. But I think it's going to be difficult right now for anybody to take over a job where there's going to be tremendous amount of suspicion for 162 games, whether on the road or at home, especially at home, but definitely throughout the season, there's going to be a lot of suspicion. And I would venture to say that if every catcher in Houston doesn't use multiple signs all the time, shame on them. Because that's the only way what the, what the Nationals did in the World Series, look how much they won and how successful they were by changing signs. And, uh, you know, it, you could just see some of the at-bats. Obviously, they didn't know what was coming because they were swinging at pitches that were out of the strike zone. And if they knew what was coming, they wouldn't have been swinging at them. Yeah, I had I heard uh, an ex-player mention. You know what? Just let everybody do it, and if you get if they crack your code, they crack your code. But that's what this player said. He just goes, you know what? I'm tired of hearing about it. Just let everybody do it, and just make sure that your signs are good enough. You don't. They can't crack your code. Well, that's the whole thing, and, and I and there are a way to do that without really making it difficult on a pitcher and catcher. See, I I think the difficult part with the limited mound visits. You have to be assured as a catcher that the sign you put down, a multiple sign, that the pitcher is aware of what you're doing. Because I noticed in the 18 postseason with the Astros, they change signs all the time. And I'll be honest with you, Maldonado was boxing up balls all the time. And I'm going, what's wrong? Well, maybe there was some question as to whether he or his pitcher knew the sign that he was giving. If in the past, uh, before there was a limited mound visit, I'd go to the mound all the time. I'd say, okay. Uh, there's something suspicious going on. Let's, let's change signs. We're going to do this. But now, because you're limited, I think that really creates a problem. So, uh, But there are signs that can be used, and I know I use signs as a catcher that I knew that nobody knew what I was uh, calling except my pitcher. And that was with the runner at second base, whether it was a runner on base or not. I used, I, I used multiple signs, and I don't ever remember uh, anybody <laughs> stealing the signs the legitimate way with the runner at second base. It just didn't happen. So it can be done. I agree. I agree with that player because you can create signs that nobody can detect. And I think hitters will show, you know, the Danny Farquhar, when, when he was pitching to Evan Gattis, when a hitter takes the change up the way he was taking them, something's going on. Because, Tana, you played baseball. You know you throw a fastball or change up. They're both out of the same slot. You just grip the ball differently and then it becomes an 8 to 10 mile an hour differential. But it's the same arm slot, same arm speed, and that's why a hitter will start his swings, and you get a lot of check swings on pitches that are thrown the same way but are different velocities. But in an instance that John Boy came up with in that one, uh, when Farquhar was pitching and finally called his catcher out to change, change the signs, you know, it was pretty evident that the hitter knew what was coming because he did not offer at the change that he was throwing. Yeah, you know, I think about it, Foss, watching so many of these games where these Astros, their guys don't even flinch on pitches when yeah. they're at home. Don't well, even that, flinch. That's, that's the giveaway. That's the giveaway. And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I looked at the same hitter in a game against the Tampa Bay Rays in game five of the Division Center uh, Series. I saw him take a curveball, and that same batter I saw swinging a curveball for strike three that wasn't even close. So – the knowledge of knowing it's coming and looking in a zone to the knowledge of not knowing what's coming 
and swinging at a pitch you'd think is something else and ends up out of the strike zone. So a hitter will tell you whether he knows what's coming or not. Um, and, and I think we were able to see that with some of the players. Did you like it? Would you want to know? Because some guys don't want to know. <laughs> you know what? I may have said this before, <laughs> but when I was playing with a baseball, I told the catcher what was coming because he's going for the home run record. And he said, well, I'll tell you everything. We were 0 for 8. <laughs> so it, it, it sometimes, you know, if you know what's coming, you have to be disciplined enough to say, okay, I know a fastball is coming. I'm not going to jump out of my shoes, open up, try to pull the ball. You just take your normal swing and get the result. But sometimes, I mean, I've known players uh, who said, I don't know. I don't want to know what's coming. I'd rather react on pitches myself rather than know because evidently throughout his time of hitting, he may not have had success knowing what's coming, but I've known hitters that know. And a lot of times it's, it's a matter of off speed versus fastball. And some say, just tell me the location location. A lot of times will tell you the type of pitch, because if it's a right-handed hitter, right-handed pitcher, and the target is inside more times than not, it's going to be a fastball just because guys don't start curveballs at hitters. They start them more in the middle of the plate away, trying to get them a swing at a bad pitch. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's part of the game if you do it the right way. But using technology, as we've talked about, is not the right way. And I think that's why the commissioner did what he did. So earlier today, we had an author on. Uh, the book is now taking the field. Baseball's all-time dream teams for all 30 <laughs> franchises. And he talked about, you know, the Yankees lineup would probably be, be the best all-time. He said the A's pitching might be the best all-time. Pretty fascinating to think if you went for the best players, especially for these these franchises that have been around for over 100 years, you take their yeah. best players and make a dream team, it's a great conversation. Well, it's going to be very subjective because, you know, just like the uh, what all-century team or top 100 players, remember that in Boston when Ted Williams came out in the golf cart? But you, you think about some of the players that were named and, and lined up on at Fenway Park before the All-Star game, you know, I'm looking at them and saying, where's Musial? You know, where, where's Gehrig? You know, but I, I think you're looking at the voters being more in a current era. But in baseball, if you go back and know the history of the game, there's some fabulous players. And there is, is it MLB that's doing the uh, top 100 in, in reverse? And I'm looking at some of these players who are, let's say, 92. And I'm going, wait a minute. Why is he so high? You know, who's going to be in that top 10? Uh, but but that is a great, great conversation because there are so many great players that have played this great game that you could look at and, and put together a team and say, wait a minute, what about this guy? He's, I didn't even mention him. So it, it's, a, it's a great way to look at the great game of baseball because, as I've always said, there's a great history to the game, there's a great presence, and there's going to be a great future. And that's in baseball because we know some of the greats have played the game. And like you said with the Yankees, you go back in the history and you look at some of those great players. Uh, I, I watched last night the documentary on uh, the great Mickey Mantle. Sad, but a great player. Um, but still, what what a wonderful what a wonderful history. And they do the Yankeeographies where they'll go back and do uh, uh, great great stories on the players of the past. And some sometimes go to Yankee Stadium just watch the video board when they do the Yankeeography and see some of the great players that played the game. It's it's a wonderful thing. You want to hear my starting lineup? 
Let's hear it. I love to hear it. At catcher, Mickey Cochran. That's a good one. I want to say Ray Fossey, but Cody wouldn't allow no, me to no, do no, it. No, 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 no. No, no, you'd be stupid, and I'd call you stupid if you did that. Go ahead. First base, double X, Jimmy Fox. Yep, great. Uh, Eddie Collins at second base. <laughs> Sal Bando, Captain Sal at third. Okay. Shortstop, this might be controversial for you. I went with Miguel Tejada. Interesting. This is the all-time? Yeah, this all-time A's. This counts everybody. We're putting an all-time lineup together. I got you. Okay. That's okay. All right. Left field's Ricky Henderson. Center field is Al Simmons. Right field is Reggie Jackson. And my DH is Mark McGuire. That's a heck of a team. You could book the World Series on that one, buddy. <laughs> and 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 then I mean, seriously. I mean, pitching. Get, you know, you, you, give me Lefty Grove. Give me Catfish. I I, I mean, can, can you imagine in our bullpen, Foss? If I'm the manager, you're the manager. I'm the bench coach. We've got Raleigh Fingers and Dennis Eckersley at the end of the game. <laughs> uh, you know what? Though, if you throw some of those pitchers out there, they wouldn't go to the bullpen. They would complete the game. <laughs> You know, because you're, you're talking about the current where it's a starting pitcher maybe goes six innings and, and 100 pitches, and then you go to the setups and you get the closers. But, you know, I like your thinking because, see, Raleigh, Raleigh could pitch seventh and eighth and X the ninth, or Raleigh could pitch sixth, seventh, and eighth and X the ninth because Raleigh was a multi-inning reliever, a closer, whereas X was pretty much a, a one-inning uh, closer. But uh, those are two pretty good guys to come in out of the bullpen. And you know one – Great guys, as a matter of fact. You know one pitcher who doesn't get enough – I mean, you guys knew he was good, but doesn't get enough love is Holtzman. Holtzman, I mean, he, just, I, he won so many big games for you guys. I knew you were going to say him, and I'm glad you did because I agree. I agree. He was a good hitter. He was a great pitcher. And you know his philosophy? I don't know if I told this story to you, but in a playoff game that he pitched against the Orioles in – 74, I think 74, he threw, I think it was 110 pitches. He threw one curveball. The rest were fastballs and batting practice fastballs. Tally, I would give a fastball sign, and I'd separate my hands about a foot and a half. And for him, that was take that much off his fastball. The great Brooks Robinson, back and forth, is like in a rocking chair. Because 3-1, and 3-2, and 2-0, they didn't know if a true fastball was coming or this batting practice fastball, and he threw one curveball. And I've told pitchers, I've told young pitchers, veteran pitchers, I said, if a pitcher can throw a league championship game and throw one curveball and the rest fastballs and BP fastballs, because he, Kenny Holtzman, if I called a changeup in his mind, he felt he had to throw it 8 to 10, 12 miles differential from his fastball. But if I separated my hands by a foot and a half, it was throw the same arm speed, but just take a little bit off that it was not the true fastball. And so that's why you had a hitter who was off balance, thinking here comes a fastball because it looked like it, but it wasn't the true fastball. Kenny Holtzman, you, you would love his philosophy. He said, I'd want to pitch for an hour and a half, win or lose, to go, let's go home. That was it. And that's why in the World Series, I'd call a curveball. And he'd, he'd, he'd look at me and say, I don't want to throw it. Takes. He said, the hitters aren't going to swing at it, and the umpire might not call it a strike. So let's go with a fastball. World Series. That's what he did. Oh. But he was he was uh, he was a great pitcher. He knew how to pitch. I saw him 
he had a no-hitter going against the Detroit Tigers. And in the eighth inning, the Tigers hit a Tom Verizon. They hit a ball to left center field. And unfortunately, the wind took it, and our center fielder didn't go after it aggressively, and the ball dropped cleanly for a hit. It was a one-hitter. Holtzman said, what's the big deal? Still one, you know. But their big guys would be so upset that it wasn't caught, and he completed a no-hitter. But Kenny Holtzman had several himself, so it wasn't like that. He, he wanted to win. He wanted to pitch quickly. They, the players loved playing behind him because he did work quickly, and a lot of success, whether it was swinging the bat or taking the bat out of the hitter's hands. He was tremendous. So you, you look at these franchises that have been around for over 100 years, and if you look at their all-time teams, and you start talking about Dodgers, Giants, A's, Tigers, Indians, yeah. Yankees, Red Sox, these teams, and then one that I think about that would be near and dear to your heart, the team that you grow up with, my God, the Cardinals could put together oh, an incredible God. all-time team. Oh, oh it, that was it, that's you know, I agree, I agree. Marty Marion, <laughs> Stan Musial, Red Shandies. I mean, there there's so many great players. You're right, and, and you know the, the current players and and just so many great players. And, and I enjoyed watching them at Old Sportsman's Park, um, growing up and, and watching them in the '50s and watching those great players play. I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch them because they played the game the right way. They loved the game. And for me as a kid, idolizing these Cardinals, especially Sam Musial, to see them play and to be close to them but not intrude and, and ask for an autograph, I never did that. But it was fun watching them. But you're right. But, you know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, there were eight teams in the American, eight teams in the National, nobody west of the Mississippi, traveled by train, and talk about a lot of fun. And that's why the World Series was over probably October 10th because the American League played the National League, seven-game series. If it went seven, if it didn't, you know, it's over, done. But, I mean, you had to be the top team of the eight teams to go to the World Series. And, of course, the Yankees did it a lot of times. But uh, how about the Indians at 54, uh, winning 116 of 154 games? You know, so – you know, it, it, those those are some great teams, but you know that I, I would love to have been a player during that period of time and travel by train to go from city to city to play games. That would have been to me. I think that would have been the ultimate. I mean, traveling the way the teams do now with charters. I mean, that's great, but can you imagine traveling like your grandfather did on a a train to go from city to city to play baseball? Oh, you know, you know, we're doing uh, we're doing the family DC trip. We're taking the kids to the Capitol here in February before That's spring right. training, and we're going to do the the dining car up to Philadelphia, and then we're going to uh-huh. do the dining car up to New York. So we're gonna we're gonna do that in February. And yeah, uh, supposedly my grandfather loved it. I mean, you got you got to know oh. your teammates. You traveled by train. The only thing that I know he hated, and that would be horrible for you, are those wool uniforms and that humidity. <laughs> hey, I wore them in Venezuela, so I was aware, I was aware of that. Can you imagine playing winter baseball in Venezuela wearing those wool uniforms? I did. I did. And it was, it was something. But, but you know the, uh, the movie, that, uh, the Gehrig movie, uh, where they're on the train and Babe Ruth and, and Lou Gehrig, and, and they're traveling. And, I mean, you talk about a lot of fun, the club car. And they're, I mean, that, that, I think, was comparable to the team in 2012 going to Tokyo Remember that team? You were there, and how 
there were a lot of different players and how Bob Melman said it kind of brought the team together and they had success because they worked together on that long flight to Tokyo, played the games over there, were together, and then flew back. They got to know each other, and boom, had a great season, winning on the final day of the season. So I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And traveling by train, man, that had to be great. That had to be tremendous. What did you think about Josh Johnson's four-year deal with the Minnesota Twins? Well, I will say this. The Twins are going for it because I think winning the division the way they did in 19 – uh, this past summer, and being that close, and you know they got Homer Bailey, they got uh, uh, Rich Hill, some veteran pitchers. They get Donaldson. They move to to first base. Um, you know, and, and <laughs> as funny as it sounded, when that new stadium when it was built, and the ball didn't carry, the ball carries very well now. JD will have a good season playing there because he hits the ball as well to right field as anybody. He has power to right field, and the ball will carry to right field. I think he's going to be tremendous for that ball club. And, you know, the Central Division in the American League is, uh, is one that for, at one time was all Cleveland. And now Minnesota stepped in. Uh, Kansas City's coming back. Uh, Detroit still growing. Uh, Chicago, look at what they've done. So it's going to be an interesting division, especially between the White Sox and the Twins. And, uh, but, but I think for J.D., I, I, when we talked, before, I thought he would go back to Atlanta because he's from the South. He had a great year there last year. He's with his former general manager in, in uh, Toronto. But, you know, he can DH in the American League. He could not do it in the National League. Maybe that was a factor. But in most cases, in the you know, they always talk about his age. A lot of times, a player will sign a long-term contract, and the team will hope that that player is going to be a tremendous player for the first couple of years of contract because they're already saying in 23, it might not be a good contract for the Twins. But Josh Donaldson can play, coming off a year last year, in which he was the National League uh, Comeback Player of the Year. I I'd say it's a good move for the Twins. Surprising, but we'll get to see him. Uh, matter of fact, the opening series against the Twins. Caesars Palace has come out with their win totals for 2020, and they have the A's at 89 and a half wins. Really? Interesting. You like 97 the, of the last two? I, I, I got to go 90 plus at least because if, if they won 97, the A's won 97 the last two years, and you look at the pitching staff that's coming back, you look at the position players who have another year under their belt, a couple of years of back to back and postseason. Um, I'm not going to say 100, but I got to say 90 plus. So maybe that half, stick it up to 90. <laughs> but uh, I'll take my chances with the A's in the division. Uh, I've said before, I think the Angels are going to be good because of Joe Madden. The Rangers are going to be good because they're going into the new stadium. They've, they've done some things to improve their ball club, but uh, it should be a fun division. And you can't really discount the Astros because they have a good team. But I, I think with all the suspicion and, and Tony, every time a, a player with the Astros plays in Houston, and they don't have a great game, what are people going to say? Hey, you didn't know what was coming. So those players are going to have to live with that for a long time, at least in 2020. But uh, I'll take my chances with the A's because I think Chris Davis is going to come back much stronger than he was last year. So that's going to be a huge benefit offensively. Chapman and Olsen, I mean, who knows what Olsen's going to do with the full season under his belt, not have the hammy that he had this past year. Chapman is going to get better and better. Simeon, look what he did. Laureano's going to get better. Piscotti, 
getting Robbie Grossman back. I think Sean Murphy's going to do well. And you look at those pitchers, I, I think it's going to be a challenge for Scott Emerson and Bob Melvin to be able to get the maximum out, of especially Lazardo, Puck, and Manaya because they didn't pitch that much in 2019. Uh, in 2019. So uh, I'm looking forward to it because I think it's going to be a wonderful season, and I think the fans are going to enjoy every bit of the 2020 season with this team. Great stuff, Foss. We'll talk to you next week. Tony, you're the best. Cody, Cody's even better. <laughs> see you, see you, Ray. Talk to you later, buddy. Have a good one. The great Ray Fossey. Don't forget, single game tickets go on sale Saturday, January 25th, the same day as Fan Fest at Jack London Square. So you're going to want to see the Astros. You want to see the Red Sox. What's going on with them? Yankees, Twins, Mets, Braves. Now really the Twins with Josh Donaldson coming to town. So don't miss out to see everybody he just talked about. They're all going to be better. Chris Davis is going to be at it like adding a free agent. It's going to be fantastic. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. We will not be on the air Friday, but tomorrow we're going to put a little podcast tomorrow to kind of run uh, for the next couple days as Commander Cody is going to be in his uh, bikini in Cabo uh, doing a little uh, vacation, a little Mexico vacation. For a second time to Mexico in the last like month and a half, it's nice. Well, the first time doesn't really count. I, I got off a boat and was there for 30 seconds. Here's the deal, people. We 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 have to vacation in January and February because once March starts, we have no life. So there'll be some times when we don't do some of these shows. It's because we're going to be taking some vacation time because, you know, once we hit baseball season, it's every day. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. We'll replay the show in case you missed any of our great guests, and we'll see you next Monday. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.